Hey, yo, what's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast. I'm DJ Crooked. I got DJ Never. Yo, what up? DJ D Miles. What's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. We got a special, special, special guest by way of Toronto, eh? Canada, eh? <laughs> <laughs> from He's the a Red sick Bull man, eh? <laughs> from the yeah. Red Bull Three Style, Judge. I guess, and also one of the best scratchers we see in yeah, the game. Probably. probably. And then, uh, and you, Jamie, you said this earlier. Is it the first? The first piece of DJing video I ever seen in my life was Scratch Pastor. The Star like, Wars. The game? Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> the, notorious, <laughs> the man behind the notorious, is it the DMC Star Wars routine? It, it's no, from Scribble Jam. Scribble Jam. Scribble Jam. We got uh, Scratch Bastard in the Ooh. building. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you Such for having an me. Iconic piece of DJing. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about that, actually. Sure. Let's go. Whoa, whoa, how did that come about over there? All right. So I grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And that's, uh, Nova that's Scotia. like far east of Canada. It's one time zone east of Eastern Standard Time. It's Atlantic Standard Time. It's this little like appendix that's hanging out over Maine, basically. It's a, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's in, the Atlantic, in the Atlantic Ocean, basically. Um, and we had a pretty tight hip hop scene, like, like local hip hop scene. It's like a city of 350,000. Um, but like going back to like the eighties, we'd like, people would get tapes from New York and stuff like that. Cousins down in New York and stuff. And, and it, even though it was isolated, like there was like a lot of stuff happening in the city and the musicians were working with each other and we had a, a strong scene. So I, I got into hip hop through much music. Well, I, I mean, just music in general, I was watching everything in the nineties. So this mm-hmm. would have been like, kind of like the, I guess the Nirvana era, like yeah, grunge yeah. era, and then um, I got into Method Man, and then the Wu Tang Clan, and I was like obsessed with the Wu Tang Clan. Right, that was like yeah. my, that was kind of like my entry into hip hop. Really. We were like all yeah. obsessed. Like Wu Tang was just a big part of all. Like yeah, anyone in hip hop in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it, you know, I I like collected baseball cards and stuff like that, and something <laughs> about the like the clan, like like all the members and stuff that really appealed to me. Like I like the they had the stats, own identities, the stats, yeah, yeah. The the, all the aliases and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was super into hip hop, and then I discovered, you know, at the time I thought, okay, hip hop only happens in the states. But then I started tuning on to like college radio and finding mm-hmm. out that there was a really dope scene in Halifax. So I got into the scene, and at that time, um, so there's this guy Buck sixty five and this other guy named Six Two, and they were signed to Anticon Records. So Anticon was like this super like underground label um, from California. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of like that. In they, they they did stuff like kind of in the in the realm of like rhyme sayers and atmosphere, mm-hmm. and sort of like this like you know indie sort of like left field a bit hip hop stuff. And um, they they connected uh, at Scribble Jam. They went one year. They went down to Scribble Jam. So I, I had connected to the connected with them through the the local scene. I kind of started going to shows, and then I started entering battles. And I entered this battle, connected with them. And uh, really, really looked up to them. And then they, they went to Scribble w- one year. And they were like, this is, I think it was like 2000 or something like that. And they came back yeah. and they're like, yo, like, it's like the promised land. You know, like this, yeah. this dope, dope <laughs> hip hop yeah. festival. And like in Cincinnati, they're like, yeah, like it's crazy. Like everyone from all over comes. They got, you know, B-Boys, Graffiti, MC Battle, live performances, and a DJ battle. And I was like, yo, this sounds, they, like the way they described it sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of Scribble Jam. You've never, never heard of that? No. Even, I know Scribble Jam because I'm a big battle rap fan. So, like, and I it know, was the b- battle rap that's thing. That's the one. In, it was, and Eminem used to go, like, there's footage of Eminem there. So Scribble Jam. Juice was a uh, Juice from Chicago was like, you know, like in the 90s, late 90s, like a major 
battle like MC, yeah, name. Yeah. He's good freestyle. He's like crazy freestyle dude. He had battles with Supernatural and all this other it's stuff. It's funny because uh, uh, Nova Scotia has a few good battle rappers that I really like enjoy. Pat, Pat Stay, Stay, yeah. Pat Stay, Hollowhand. Yeah, Hollowhand. Those two yeah. guys are fucking beasts. Yeah, for sure. Pat Stay is it. Yeah. So, so like that's also again, it's kind of the lineage of this small, isolated hip hop scene right. in Halifax, yeah. Nova Scotia. <laughs> it's kind of hood out there, right? Yeah, like. Because they kind of, in their fucking raps, they describe it as really hood. Yeah, it's kind of hood, kind of like, I don't know, skittish, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's kind of hustlers, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. kind of like fishermen, too, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. I hope I'm not dissing you, Halifax, but like, <laughs> uh, it's hard to describe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, so you were there through like your teens and everything. Yeah, huh? yeah. So I grew up just like 20 minutes outside of Halifax in a town called Bedford, and I used to take the bus in and just like hang out on the weekends and shit like that. So so basically Buck and 62 had gone down there and then they they joined the crew the 1200 hobos and that was a crew that Mr. Dibs yeah you got to pronounce that B properly. Um, Mr. Dibs was the head of that and they had like DJ Abilities who was in Idea and Abilities and uh Precise was in the crew. It was like a Midwest DJ collective, but Mr. Mm-hmm. Dibs was making crazy mixtapes that I loved mm-hmm. back in the day, one of my favorites. And so they, and he put them down with the 1200 hobos. It's like, I was like, oh, my dudes went to this place and they like, they, everything was magic. So I, I made it a goal of mine to get to Scribble Jam. Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like I was just pra- like, so I was like practicing a lot at home and Buck was actually still, he was, he was putting out records on Anticon and he was also still battling. He, he like fancied himself like, um, you know, he's like Bo Jackson. Like he like produces raps, DJs, got a radio show. He was doing everything. I really looked up to him. Mm-hmm. But I, start, I was, like, focusing on DJing. And so I came third in this local battle called the DJ Olympics. And I was, like, I was like I'm going to beat Buck next year. Like, he yeah. won the first year, right? So, so this is all kind of happened. So that's 2000. And then this battle comes up. And Buck is kind of, like, splitting his time between producing. So he starts putting out these records on Anticon. And he put out this record called The Centaur. And it's this song about him being a centaur or something. You know, I said it's like kind of like left field hip hop. Right. So. And and yeah, like he's like, I'm a man, but I'm built like a horse from the waist down. That's the chorus. Of the, right. You know, right. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, the song is dope. It's super super dope. And the beat is crazy. He actually sampled the movie Carrie, and it's like the like the like the scene in Carrie, and like it's got this sweeping. Beat, and the beat yeah. is really dope. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, and and that was like locally, like everyone knew the centaur, like it was his big song, right, like right. at the shows and everything. And I'm like, yo, I'm gonna fuck buck up with the centaur. So like, I bought two copies of his record that he had out on Anticon, and I'm like, I'm gonna like take his own record and beat him in his battle. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. And then like, so when you're prepping for battles, you know, like, I don't know, you're playing around with something and. Man, I was running out of time. Like, I'm like, I want to use this record, but I, I got to do something good with it. Like, right. and I'm like, fuck, I can't just like scratch over his record. It's kind of weak. Like, and I didn't know. Like, I was trying to figure it out. And nothing was coming to me. And then one day, like, I swear, like three days before the battle, I'm like messing with his record. And so, when you're working on juggles, you kind of pick like different parts, like the one and the three, or the different tones. You just try mm-hmm. pl- putting them back and forth. So I was going. The beat goes like this. It goes like dun 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 dun. And so I was just kind of going like, you know, like, and like, and then so, but I was just kind of like doing the one, and then I tried the, and then I was like, then I was like, and then one time back, I came back too far, and it was like, 
And I was like, oh shit, like that kind of sounds like the, like the Star like Wars. The <laughs> Imperial yeah. Death March. I'm like, okay, can I do this? So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I'm like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like, oh shit. So like, and, and there was a moment, and I called my friend, like me and this dude, his name was the Cut and Cracker, and he was like my DJ partner at the time. Yeah. Shouts out to Joe. And I was like, yo, I like, Got the phone. I'm like, yo, listen to this. And I put the phone up to the speaker and I, you know, ran to my turntables and did it and picked it up. And picked it up. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yo, it's one of the greatest videos. It's, it is one of the greatest videos of all time. So, so that, so, so I actually first did it in our, in our local battle against Buck. Like I used his record okay. against him. And he had he had been to scribble, and they were like from the previous year. They had done the, like that. Those records were kind of big down there in the on the on that indie indie hip hop scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like it definitely worked at home, and I'm like maybe this will work at Scribble Jam too. Yes. So I took it down to Scribble, and I you know I was this I was like 18, 19 at the time. I was still like I'd probably been DJing for three or four years, so I was like still a little green. Like I knew I could cut a bit, but like I was going up against. Uh, uh, well, the guy that won that, that I actually didn't win the whole battle that year. I only won one round. But I, 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 I didn't. I did. I lost in the final to DJ Sprite. Sprite mm-hmm. won that battle. Sprite, which one? Uh, not, not from not LA. the club DJ. Yep. Really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sprite won that battle. He was in that S-P- battle. S P R Y T E. Oh wow! I didn't know he was a battle DJ. Yeah, he was in a crew called the Platter Pirates. Wow. The Platter Pirates. What was the other one? The something hobos. Twelve hundred hobos. Twelve hundred hobos. Yeah. We got to talk about these names, man. Yeah. You know, the Midwest will do that to you, man. So, so yeah, I I actually ended up losing. Like so. Basically, I went in this battle. Okay, I got you. Got I don't know. You, got, you back in the vinyl days, you can only have carry so many records and have so many routines. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I brought mm-hmm. like eight routines with me, like max. Like I just didn't have that much on. Mm. And it, it's it's hard to make up routines, like especially yeah. in the in the vinyl days when you don't have everything and you everything costs money and you know you're an 18 right. year old kid mowing lawns for records. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I took down these things and then like and I also I I won the first round with a little routine and then I. In the next round, I faced DJ Kiko, and he's this dude from Texas, and he's nasty with his juggles. Like I knew his videos and stuff like that, and I'm like, like I'm dead. Like like there's no way I can do this, dude. But I was I was like, I knew that I had to get off this Star Wars routine. Like I'm right. like I'm like I wanted to use it in my final to win the whole the whole shit. But yeah. I'm like, okay, if I don't do this now, yeah. I'm never going to do yeah. it. Right, right. And that was like the best decision I ever made oh in my DJ career. So like, so, and, and he, and you can see in the video, like, cause he, like, he's, t- he, he was, I don't know, 25 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's nasty with the doubles. And like, I think he thought I was easy, easy money. You know? Right, like, right. Like, uh-huh. So you like, and, and I kind of start with like a long scratch intro. And like, I kind of had an unorthodox battle style. I wasn't really like hyper cuts. I was a bit more sort of like mus- funky musical stuff. I'm not really like a power scratcher at that you're not time. like a gr- like the aggressive yeah, yeah, cuts yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly Very or, or like on 45 and like kind of going ham and push juggles it wasn't really my thing so mm-hmm. i just kind of did this like star wars themed I, I scratched over like a phoenix orion star wars sampling record and i st- scratched star wars cuts and he's probably like what is this kid doing right now you know <laughs> and you can kind of see him he's like standing with his hands behind his back and he's sort of like you know, and then I, I finished the thing and, and he kind of gives me like a golf clap. Like yeah. when he, I'm done the scratch Wait, section. Is he the guy right behind you? Yeah. The yeah. chubby guy with yeah. the technique shirt? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. That's DJ Kiko. Oh, yeah. okay. 
and and then so like and then but i'm like setting it up and i go the time's running only 30 seconds to go and i put a piece of tape on it it was a 45 jungle remix of this song only 30 seconds to go only 30 seconds to go only 30 seconds to go and then i brought in the and like people knew that beat and then when i brought the beat in i was like people went oh and i was like oh shit it's on yeah, like if they, they know, know the, the beat, yeah. you know if they know the beat it's go, it's about to be on so like let's set it up and then like you know i got and then dun, 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 four times and then like stop and look at them and then drop the dun, 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 and the crowd just went, and like you watch the video mr jeff's coming back like like the whole yeah, 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 yeah. and, and and Kiko's just like he just kind of drops his head. And he's just, <laughs> <laughs> I let this little ginger from Nova Scotia fuck me up like that. <laughs> that's fucking crazy, yo. <laughs> yeah, so that was scribble. Thanks, bro. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. that I remember shit. I saw it in, uh, in a hip hop video, and that was like the first piece of DJing like in that form right. I ever seen. Was it on the Scribble Jam DVD? Maybe was, or, I don't know. Because it got. I was ripping shit off of Kazaa. Right, <laughs> like that downloading site. Yeah, yeah so I yeah. was just ripping shit down. So Scribble put out like a like a year end DVD every year or mm-hmm. VHS at that point even, and it would have the the MC battle highlights from the MC battle highlights from the graffiti because Scribble was a graffiti magazine. That's how it started, and then the B boy battle, and then they would have highlights from the DJ battle. And so that video got around in the underground circles. People knew it. Like I would go places. I used to tour with some underground cats and people were like, yo, the, like the Star Wars routine, bro. Like they knew it from that yeah, video. Yeah. It became, and then someone ripped it. Like this is like early days of internet, anything, pre-YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody ripped it and they put it on E-Bombs World and College Humor. Like it ended up on these like, these, yeah. these li- College Humor. I don't know if you remember either of these sites, E-Bombs World. <laughs> these are like, these are like funny video sites before YouTube. Right. Mm-hmm. And on College Humor, it was actually like in the, it was, it was called Star Wars DJ, and it was like in the toolbar or something. It was like at the top of their website for like two years. It just said Star Wars DJ. But it wasn't you. It was me. It, it was, was you. And when you, clicked, when you clicked on it, you know, it would just pop up and it had no information about me. It was about just me were, doing my thing. Star Wars DJ. So then when YouTube came out, like someone uploaded it over to YouTube and in the first video it just said Star Wars DJ like you know like yeah. 10 characters Star Wars DJ lo- all lowercase and that was just who, yeah. I, who I was <laughs> and I had to roll up there like yo that's me like like scratch, scratch I didn't know like yeah I didn't know it was you until recently I was like wait that was him yeah it's I mean it's 2001 like, yeah. it's like 18 years ago now that's it's fucking crazy, crazy right yeah, it's insane <laughs> was that like like before you, they used to call you DJ Smurf or Oh yeah, you you did your homework, did you? <laughs> uh, no, I, my name was Scratch Bastard during that one. Yeah, um, my first name was DJ Smurf because my last name is Murphy, and like I thought DJ Smurf was, uh, I don't know, I thought it was a good <laughs> alias. But it's not that, bad. Man. It's not bad. But you know, there is a DJ Smurf. He's like Atlanta. He's like a Atlanta Miami based DJ. Like he's like a. And so I was flipping through the source one day, and I was like, oh shit, there's already a DJ Smurf. Wow. So how did you come up with Scratch Bastard? Yeah, where where did I come from? Yeah. Well. Uh, my first name when I entered that battle that I talked about when I came like third place before I won it, my my, my name entering that battle was DJ Stimulus. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it was all this, you know, in the era of like scientific lyrical miracle shit. And yeah, you're yeah. Like you know, I'm gonna be. I don't know what I. You know, you're trying to figure out something unique. And I entered that battle, and then like, like I was the first up in that battle, and I was like 16 years old, and like I entered and. I, I remember the MC, who's my friend now, Tachichi, he got in the mic and said, first up, from Bedford, Nova Scotia, DJ Stimulus. 
<laughs> and and I remember someone in the crowd goes, DJ Stimulus. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta change that now. <laughs> like I was like, don't oh, you know, it sounded awful. And that yeah. was the first round and, and like I made it and I make it through the finals. And even by the finals I was like, No, nah, that ain't my name anymore. Like like this was like two days later there <laughs> yeah, was yeah. the finals. I was like, nah, just call me Paul. Like I didn't have a name. I don't know I guess I just got by by being DJ Paul. Like well, I didn't settle on that name or Those anything. Those were really DJ Paul too. I know, I it, it was an intermittent <laughs> name at the time, you know. Like I was, I was like, Fuck it. Like like I guess I'm just DJ Paul. I came in third and that was cool. So I, I connected with these people. So the other half, um, Buck 65, the other half is, of his crew was this guy 6'2". And 6'2 was my home. Like he was the dude that I was really like hanging out with and he was showing me cuts and letting me crash on his couch and stuff like that and mm-hmm. showing me records and sampling. And how, he, he, he showed me a lot of the ropes. Like I, I, like, I, like I owe a lot to him. 6'2 is still my homie today. Um, and, and he, he really put me on in some ways, you know what I mean? Like he was like, we all have like a hip hop mentor and he was, he was to me that he was one of them. So he, he and this other guy, the drunk nest monster, they live <laughs> together. Names. Are you serious? <laughs> Are, you names? Are you just coming I up think with this? Right I think he's fucking like, with us, man. He's like, let me see how much I can stretch this. Yo, fucking this, is, joke. this is, this is literally like usual suspects where he just keeps talking. Like he's just naming <laughs> he's, these names he's looking at from little things he's seeing in the fucking like, room. There's a blackness monster picture up there. <laughs> the DJ monster. full house. Yeah. <laughs> They li- so they lived together and they were like, you know, they do shows around town yeah. and, and they would teach me the cuts. And so I would go in, take the bus in. This is when I was still in high school. And and then I go home on the weekend. I go in and practice and mm-hmm. learn from them and go home and just like cut, cut, cut. And then I go in like next weekend or whatever. And I go back and I'd be I'd have the cuts and like they like. Like, I think, like, in a way, that, you know, they weren't really pissed off. They're like, who is this little thing? You know, like, who is this kid, you know? And I guess my nickname around them, like, they, they nicknamed me amongst themselves the scr- like the, the little scratch bastards, you know, the little bastards, <laughs> that's, you know? That's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know, like, unbeknownst to me, that's what they were calling me. But <laughs> Rob is one of those dudes that just makes up nicknames for people, you know? You know, those, some of those dudes just got these nicknames. Yeah, yeah. And he's named so many people, like, homies verse. So he also ran the first, uh, this website called Triple Bypass, which was super ahead of its time. They got a government grant and they had super high, like this is like when the internet didn't have pictures, they had all the, they knew, they had all the pictures, you know, it was yeah. like, it was a media website and it was super fast. And, and they, they, you know, he, he was, I was always trying to get in, like be a part of anything that was going on. Cause I was really trying to get on. And, mm-hmm. and then they were like, yo, we have an internet radio show. And I was like, internet radio show? Like, what is an internet radio show? There's the internet, and then there's the radio. Like, how do these things coexist? I didn't, even streaming didn't make any sense to me. You know, you could download, it would take you 20 minutes to download a one megabit. Still low, like very early stages of all that, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I was like, but I'm like, whatever. Like, I guess so. Like, I'm down, because I want to be down with whatever. So so I'm like, okay. So he's like, I'm like, he's like, what day can you do? I'm like, on Tuesday at eight or something like that, right? And I'm like, cool. And he's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to post the schedule, like, you know, I'm going to post the schedule tomorrow and you can, you know, check it out or whatever. Yeah. Like, and so I didn't have the, I didn't have internet with the images. So I called my homie Cut and Cracker and I'm like, yo, Cut and Cracker. <laughs> cut and Cracker. You oh, missed that one? I already said that one. Yeah, <laughs> it went on the, yeah, it went on the, it went on the radio. Um, but, uh, so I called him. I'm like, yo, I think 62 posted the schedule. Can you go look at it? I just want to see like who's around me or whatever. I'm like, I'm at Tuesday at eight. And he's like, 
man, he's like, I don't see your name on here. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I, I guess at the time I thought it would just be like DJ Paul or whatever. And he's like, he's like, I'm like, who's in the, t- the slot? He's like, it just says scratch bastard. <laughs> and I'm like, who's, who's and, and like for everyone else that had a genre and it would be like hip hop, house, techno, and, and mine just said scratching. <laughs> <laughs> it said scratching beside and I was like it said scratch bastard and it said scratching and I'm like what the hell and so then I call up 6 I'm like I'm like 6 I'm like man who's this dude in the, the name in my splat and he's like, he's like man that's you man you're this little bastard that keeps coming here and stealing our scratches and did he spell it the way you spell it now no just it just said scratch actually bastard. like a scratch bastard. And a bastard yeah yeah, yeah yeah but you know we were all at, like at the time just like into just changing letters around mm-hmm. so k i did k because like scratch pickles and they always they were doing like the k on the right. back of the yeah. records and stuff mm-hmm. and then bastard i just i just put the i just like like to to like lighten the r a little bit like right, you right. bastard i didn't yeah. want it to be the scratch scratch bastard yeah just didn't i just wanted to be like you bastard like it's kind of like a east coast thing you know what i mean like in boston or new york or something like that i just pictured it or like you know billy dan's and mop just like, bastard you yeah. know just like so i just felt it like that id it wasn't because i didn't want to swear or anything it just was that was the tone that i wanted to be said because i think uh what do you call it um uh i linked up we, we linked up uh, for you to do this podcast through Marvel. Once again, big shout to Marvel. Mm. Our fucking PR. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> he, he is he's my cr- PR. Yeah. And then in the group chat, he's just like, yeah, he's like, hey, Crooked, this is Bastard. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, is that what they call it? Like, yeah, call you just Bastard. Call me bastard. <laughs> Some bastard. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's, my closest like, friends call me Bastard. I was like, yo, like, what do I call him? Scratch or a Bastard? Like, you know. <laughs> Scratch is cool, but there's like a lot of Scratches, you know, of course, there's DJ Scratch. Yeah. There's also in Toronto, um, a DJ starting from Scratch. And so he's kind of scratched. So when I moved there too, it's like okay, like I, I, there's a lot of scratches. It's pretty common. Like it's a lot so, of but there's not a lot of bastards. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so at one point, did you uh, you know move to Toronto or head there? Well, so I first moved to Montreal. Uh-huh. So I moved to Montreal. Great city. Uh, yeah, great city. Great city. Yeah. So basically, I. I, I was doing like three nights a week, bunch of shows in Halifax. It was mm-hmm. a Halifax is a great party city because it's like a university city. So like it was good living. Like we were having fun, having a blast. Like you know, I started to make money. Like you know, I remember when I first made rent. You know, like oh right, shit. Right. Like and then like I'm like, did oh, you ever have a, like a regular job? I worked at the record store oh, there. Sure. So that was like I worked at a place called Canadian Tire, which is like. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know it, it's like I don't even know what the US equivalent is but it sells like automotive yeah, and yeah. it also sells sports and it sells gardening and stuff like that I worked mm-hmm. there for four months or like sounds like goods. Walmart yeah something like yeah Walmart or something like that but like the Canadian version and I worked there for four months I got paid 505 an hour wow damn yeah. <laughs> 505 yeah. that 05 it makes was, a difference know, right? yeah. minimum <laughs> wage at the time minimum wage at the time was 550 and but I got trainee pay for three three months because that was the, they would do that damn, and man. trust me the second day on the job I'm doing the same shit everybody else is doing but it's like mm. 505 an hour that was my first job but then I was like then I got offered the job in the record store, and I'm like, well, this yeah, this is way, is way better, way yeah. better yeah. you know. So, but that's the only the only real jobs I guess I ever had outside DJing. So you went to Montreal. Well, you yeah, so you were in a college w- town. And yeah, and and things were going good in Halifax, but like, and it was good. But the, the, this girl had challenged me actually. Like this this girl I, I dated for a bit, and then like we kind of like stopped dating. And she she was a philosophy major, and she kind of like I I always enjoyed chatting with her. She had a good perspective, but she like kind of challenged me. She was like. And this is like kind of like after we dated, she's like, "Yeah, you got it pretty good here, eh, bastard?" You know, like, yeah. she's, like <laughs> <laughs> she's like, 
you know, you know, you're playing. You're pretty popular with the ladies. You know, you're you're living good. The good parties. But she's like, it won't last forever. And I'm like, wow. And I'm like, I'm like at the time, I'm like, come on now. You know, it's going to last forever. I'm the shit. <laughs> you know, like, like, right? You know, in my head. But then, like, she knew how to. She knew how to. She knew it. She knew. Like, she had this vision and like or whatever. Like, she. She had, she totally saw the situation for what it was. Right. Me in my twenty three year old ego, like of course it's like you don't think that way. Right. You're just yeah. you're just feeling good about it. And she was like, Yeah, she's like, Don't you want something bigger than this? You know, and I'm thinking to myself, Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was like I was like I was like, Yeah, yeah. She's like, If you could move to somewhere, where would you move? And and I said, um, like Montreal, like I always love going to mm-hmm. Montreal. Like it's, I always have fun there. And it's then it, in in ge- geographically, it's like the next city up from Halifax. It's thirteen hours away. It's like, <sighs> uh, yeah, it's like the next city you go to. So there, were, I and six two had actually moved there. The guy that gave me my name, and so I was like, um, okay, cool, um, yeah, maybe Montreal. And then she's like, yeah, you should think about that. And then like four months later, I just moved to Montreal. Wow. Like, like, All because of that go. conversation? I would say, yeah. yeah. I would say if that conversation hadn't happened, it might have. But that conversation was real. Like, it yeah. was a spark. Yeah. And wow. yeah, it, it, it got me thinking. Did you ever thank her later kind of? Or yeah, just, I did. Did you I did. talk to her? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen her in a number of years. <laughs> Shout out to the good friend. There. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel. Shout out to Rachel. Rachel. Shout out to Rachel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I saw her once like... Uh, so then eventually I got this residency in Toronto at the Drake Hotel I was playing there after I lived in Montreal and I was taking the train down and I was doing this monthly there and it was popping and she came out she was living in Toronto she came out there with her boyfriend or whatever and she saw it and like it was like this moment where I was like I was like yeah fucking this is and she was like she was like, I'm really proud of you, you know? Yeah. I'm like, word, yeah, this is kind of nice, you know? I hope you guys had a good night and everything. Just, it, was a, it was a very redeeming moment of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like, you know, you have a sort of like a flash to back to me sort of arguing with her yeah, yeah. about, nah, this is, this is you know, going to be good. And then, you know, like six years later, it's way better than it was. Yeah, yeah. damn. That's, kinda, that's fucking crazy. Shout out to Rachel. <laughs> I have a question. What got you into scratching? Because I mm. talked to, I mean, we, we talked to the majority of DJs and we asked them, you know, what wanted, made you want to DJ? And everyone says, well, I wanted to produce. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then the second thing they always say is, I wanted to scratch like Premiere. Right. Right. And what's, what, what's your thing? I mean, yeah, I, like I love the scratches on records. Uh-huh. Um, but I would say that it was collecting vinyl that made me want to scratch. Mm-hmm. So I at that in that indie era of indie rap and everything mm-hmm. we're talking like raucous yeah, yeah. talking mm-hmm. uh that whole you know um company flow and 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 that 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 era underground rap that all these 12 inches were coming out Actually and and also the the whole underground hip hop time at during that era mm-hmm. had some of the best Canadian underground rappers that yeah. I'm the biggest fans of like Socrates Cardi uh, Chocolate Chocolate I love Chocolate mm-hmm. um yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it's a those great three time. there were. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So those were all coming out on vinyl, and some of the records, some of the things were only coming out on vinyl. You couldn't get it on CD or cassette. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, only mm-hmm. on vinyl. So I was like, I was full on hip hop junkie at this point. Like Wu Tang kicked the door down for me, and it was like obsession from there. And mm-hmm. and so I needed these exclusive songs that you couldn't get anywhere else. So I started buying records, and then once I started buying the records. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, and I, and just like any, I, I, I'd played with my dad's turntable a little bit, but like, but once I got my own records, then I'm really starting to like, 
move him around a little bit. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. You get like a little baby scratch. I didn't really, and, I, and of course, like the Primo stuff sounds amazing. I wanted to scratch like Primo, but I had no idea how to do it. But so like, you know, everything sounds, you know, I didn't even know what a crossfader was at that point, right? Like, yeah. I, but I did kind of figure out there was this little switch that I could hit back and forth and mm-hmm. it kind of made something sound kind of similar. I'm like, I tell my friend Joe, cut and cracker again. Like, I think I figured it out. Like you move this switch and, because you'd watch the rap, you right. watch the videos, and they'd be kind of doing something with it. But at that point, like when we were like fourteen or fifteen, we really didn't have someone, and the inter- there was no internet, so you're no, just kind of watching what's on TV, and you're yeah. hearing stuff in your headphones, and you're trying to put it together. That's true, though. Like I remember just watching that shit. Like what what are they doing with the left hand? And yeah, what are they doing with this and right? you know what? To this day, people are still doing that. Like even today at CES, there's tons of people who are like, "What does that thing do?" Right? Yeah. You know, they don't <laughs> they don't get it. Right? But um, we you know everyone has that some point where they figure that shit out, but of course, we were like, I want to learn more. So the same places we bought all these 12 inches, they had some hip hop DVDs like Scribble Jam and stuff. Yeah. And they had the, the battle DVDs like ITF, DMC, and they had some scratch pickles. And the one that the one order I bought from Sandbox Automatic, I don't know if you guys remember this website, but they had all this in the, and they had the turntable mechanic workshop. And mm-hmm. it was a Vestax video with shortcut D styles and Qbert. And it's them in their garage, and they're just cutting on an 05 Pro, and they're just like talking about the cuts and showing. And Qbert is acting a fool, like he's he's like Cooper's talking like in voices and shit, like oh, like a cowboy and like shit, like it's just weird. As I'm like, what is this? But they're like the cuts are crazy, you know. Right, and, right. and and oh. so we were like, oh, this is this is crazy. So like, you know, at that point, then 62 had an 05 Pro. I'm like, I need to try to get an 05 Pro. And but like, I got this American DJ mixer. This two-channel American DJ for for Christmas. It's like this is like my first little f- piece of real gear. My dad had a Technics fifteen hundred with two not two dobs. He's kind of like an audiophile a little bit. And then I got a Pioneer PL two hundred, kind of stitched together, patched together. Right, right. And then and then I got the I got got this video. And then I'm like okay. And I'd watch the video upstairs in the in the room. And then I'd run downstairs and try my best to do something like wow so you learned on those two different turntables yeah were were they belt drives or on a direct both were direct direct drive but the pioneer pl200 has kind of like a spring suspension system right so i used to have to stick a like a piece of plywood underneath it to keep it up oh my god you know like you just kind of macgyver that shit you know and the 50 the 1500 had a my dad it had like a bit of a warbly pitch to it but Mm -hmm. you could kind of make it you could make it work i still have some tapes that of that have like kind of warbly pitch and some ideas yeah and so I would try to do whatever I saw on the screen and then like of course like try to like listen to Kubert talking like a cowboy like in my ear like oh you just got to move the fader like this or something like like you know <laughs> like 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 just stupid but you just try to try to do that and then I try to learn and then of course later I started entered from that basically entered the bat the first battle and then like they could some of the people down there saw that I had some potential to do stuff and then when I met them that's when I Started learning from them. That's when I became the scratch bastard. You know, <laughs> scratch. Did you actually compete in the DMC? I did. Yeah. So I competed in DMC in Canada four times, and I placed fourth twice and second twice. Looking at the battles back then, obviously with the difference with vinyl and everything like that, and now with Serato and like queuing and tone play and all of these things that come into play, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna head over to uh, Taipei, Taiwan for the the red bull three style yep which you've been the ambassador and like the judge for since it started yeah yeah so um yeah so like i i I battled in dmc i did like uh i did dmc itf and scribble jam was like that was scribble was like the one that like i won titles at that was like pretty proud of even Mm -hmm. though it was like kind of like a small battle like it still got my name around good you you won three times right yeah 
and uh, and the DMCs. I never won national finals. It's like Brace beat me once, and when I came second, and Drastic from Thugly beat me once too. So like they both got to go, and the other two times I came fourth. Um, I didn't ever won, but like at that time I was doing more club gigs and stuff like that, and that was really starting to work for me, and and that started getting right. tons of gigs from that. And then I heard about this battle that they had for fun in Vancouver called the Three Style. And it was like Headspin was in it and Matt the Alien and Flip Out and all, a, a lot of people from Vancouver. And I was like, and it was like basically like, this is sort of like when, um, when Serato first came out. And everyone in Vancouver, I remember Vancouver, everybody got on Serato right away. Mm-hmm. And we were a little more resistive. I was still bringing like crates to the club and yeah, kind of yeah, doing yeah. half we were and still half. keeping it real. Keeping it real, you know? <laughs> We were all kind of nervous Keeping though, because we weren't sure exactly if it was going to crap out or not. Yeah, if it was and then work. you know when you first try to build your collection, you're like, "Damn, I don't want to rip all these records or whatever. I got uh-huh. these, and like, oh, and, and you know, like, no, I don't know. You don't. I didn't know anyone with the f- library that I could borrow, or maybe I was too yeah. shy or too proud to ask anyone for the library. So I'm like, okay, this works for me, and I'm doing it. So I bring my crates with me. Um, but in Vancouver, everyone had Serato. And I really feel like that, plus like the sort of mashup era, kind of created this, this uh, like chance for people to, like basically it was for fun. They were like, oh, we now we can play whatever we want all the time. So they were right. like, let's have this, yeah. let's have this little fun competition where people step a little bit outside their comfort zone, mm-hmm. and you, you got to play at least three styles of music. That was the thing because everyone had kind of a style, one or two, but then reaching for that third to kind of like. You know, to have fun. It was a fun contest, and I heard about it. And I'm like, oh, this sounds great. Like, mm-hmm. what y'all scared to invite me to this? I'm gonna fuck. It. I'm gonna fuck up this competition. You know, like. But they're like, no, this is only here. And then Kenny. So Kenny Mack was working at Red Bull at the time. He was the national culture manager in Kenny in Canada, and he did that. And then the next year, he did it again. And there was like a lineup around the block in Vancouver. It became this really popular thing. And right. I'm like, I'm like mad jelly because I'm like, yo, this sounds so fun, and I want to go in. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I think we're gonna take it national. Kenny thought he was gonna take it national. I'm like, all right, word. I'm like, I, I want in this time. He's like, and Kenny was like, well, I kind of need, I kind of want someone to help me run the contest across the country. Right. I want to do ten across the country. He's like, would you be interested in being a judge and showcasing it at all of them? And then he, and then he's like, offered me that as a gig. And I'm like, yeah, damn, that's like 10 shows across the country, flying me everywhere. And right. I'm, like, I'm the real champion here. That sounds great. You know? So I'm like, okay, like maybe it's time like this. And this is like basically after I stopped doing scribbles, had stopped doing DMC. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, maybe I don't want to like and en- re-enter battles. Like maybe right. I'm cool here. And then so, and then went on that tour and then it built some steam. We did a national final in Toronto and word had gotten to, Red Bull headquarters in Austria that we had like this cool thing, this cool event in Canada that's like a music-based event, and they were like, you know, like they they flew in the the head honchos in Austria and they came and like studied our event and they're like, this is pretty cool, and they're like, I think we're gonna try to do this on a global scale. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the next year, it went on a global scale and there was nine countries, and then it went it was in Paris, and that that was the first one in 2010 in Paris. Wow. So it started kind of in 2000 seven i think eight and then nine was a national canadian file there might have been one more i might i'd have to check the stats but then like 2010 was the first international one and at that one i went and i wasn't actually a judge i just kind of went along and kind of helped and then since then i've been a judge and been a part of it and now it's in its ninth international international year yeah 21 countries i was gonna i was gonna ask you in the over time since i mean obviously 
since you've been doing battles and stuff since the early 2000s and mm. stuff like yeah. that. Mm. I do. What do you when you look at the new contestants or when you look at how the people are like people are DJing right now? Where do you what do you see the new focus is opposed to like five years ago? Mm. I should judge. And and then we talked to Four Color Zach and sometimes and he says that like uh he assures us it's not like a DMC battle. It's mm. not like a like a scratch and technical thing. It's actually more based on the music and how you're mixing it and I guess uh you know, like crowd and engagement and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. Um I mean, so how would how do you judge it basically? Yeah, it's it's definitely not easy to judge. Um, I think anything judging any type of like art is sort of like is difficult. You know, like it's not you can't really do. It. Everyone has a taste. People, some people like, you know. It, yeah. it, but when I what I'm looking for, like I look for you know originality. Like what's going to make you last and stand out in the DJ world. Mm -hmm. And I know from personal experience and just like history, like. You got to be original is like is like one of the biggest things what makes you stand out you can be technically amazing but if you don't have something that defines you for you then someone's going to forget you eventually right or like you're not going to stand out so i look for originality like primarily but and and like most of originality like comes from to me a lot of it's like what tracks you play and that kind of relate like I, I feel like that's that's something that I cared about a lot when I battled, even though I knew like it wasn't about like I knew there were people that could do stuff faster than me, but I'm like I can pr I can pick better records than you and be, I my thing in my head I'd said was like uh, I can I might not I can do stuff that's hard to think of, mm -hmm. and that's like how I'm gonna approach it. Like yeah. it may not be hard hard the hardest to do, but it's hard to think of. It's, yeah, it's a, like conceptually, it's yeah. better. It's better. It's not may not be as technical or maybe like so tech like focused on right. the actual scratching exactly. skills, but yeah. the actual and then like you know if, if it's conceptually better, it usually means and it's more entertaining and style. You yeah, know, like yeah. and and and, and the stuff type of stuff that comes up in like snowboarding contests and stuff. Like there's people that do just like flips, 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 and then there's people that just have this have style, and it's like mm -hmm. and like the the style is kind of like the essence of it. Like for me, like it's let's talk about DJ Premier. Like when you see Primo cut. He didn't. He wasn't watching the Scratch Pickles DVD. Sometimes Primo's cuts, like you're like, how is that sounding good? Like some yeah, the, the yeah. way he's moving his hands, you're like, this is so unorthodox. But the sound that comes out the speaker is just like this chip chip. Yeah. chip. It's just it's the sound of scratching. You know what I mean? So like I don't think I think that like technicality is uh, is a piece of it, and cleanliness is like great. Like it's great, but like what makes what makes you stand out? What's your style? And and you can do that in a number of ways. You can do that with the scratches that you pick and the musicality. You can do it with the music you pick. You can do it with the way you, you, you craft your set, the way you flow over 15 minutes, because that's such a big, important part of being a DJ. Mm -hmm. I try to think of what are the valuable skills to be a career DJ, because that's what I, I think ultimately with, with three style, we, it exists to improve the environment of DJs. Like, yeah. It's not a, it's not a, a like a competition of supremacy. I don't feel that way. I, I feel like the, the nature of it is to, raise awareness of what we're doing and that's what it started as as a friend like a friendly battle and you know it doesn't have to be roses and happy and it can still be competitive yeah. but like it, it it's more to sort of raise that like okay like th like let's have fun and step outside our comfort zone and do something new and creative and it's it ultimately like let's all make djing 
like showcase how cool DJing can be. Yeah. When you when you're judging how how important or how much of a determining factor is crowd participation. Mm. Because I feel like you might come into a situation where someone is really dope but not from that region. Yeah. And someone that may not be as skilled but has the home crowd behind them. Yeah. I mean, you always got to you, you have to take it into consideration to some degree, but I kind of feel like the person that has hometown advantage, it's almost like a, a ha- like in go- like a handicap like mm-hmm. not like you know how in golf you have a handicap yeah so like you have like if you're it's your home squad you should be rocking that to a certain degree mm-hmm. and you can always go better than that if it's not your home squad and hometown whatever and you win them over it's like whoa he he took it from like expectation here to here so like i kind of feel like there is a, a bit of a handicap involved there so like i i don't expect the crowd to always give back because some of them are you know, depending on where you're at, they don't even might not be super enthusiasts on the global scale of DJ, and so they right. might not get it. So I, I take it into consideration. But sometimes someone rocks it for sure, and like the it doesn't translate to the crowd. But I don't know. As a DJ, I find that there is a way you kind of have to figure that out. That is a piece of the puzzle that you have to figure out. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are cases where the crowd just it goes over their heads, but it is like the dopest thing you've seen, and you you have to give it props. But it, it's it can be a little like I do think that's an important part of it, but I I, I kind of approach it with that handicap idea mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, if it might be hard to move the crowd, but if they did move the crowd somewhat and it was a tough crowd and it's not their home crowd, well then that's that's an achievement in itself. Yeah. So like if someone does something amazing, but it's a little bit over like some of the contestants' heads, mm-hmm. because like or I the, the part the crowd's heads. Yeah, the crowd's heads. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no um, what do you call it? Uh, do you still give them the points like that it worked or you, you're taking into account that the crowd didn't feel no, it so I, yeah, maybe he should have simplified it you know no no i i mean if it's historically amazing you have yeah. to give it the props that it is right. also because let's remember like there's people watching from all over the world on the live stream and things like mm-hmm. that like sometimes if it goes over people's heads like it like it could be the dopest thing you ever say and we will like we'll go crazy and we might be the judges might be and the competitors might be going crazy and it might have gone over the crowd's head but like if they don't stop booing, it's okay. Like if they don't get it, like as long as he keeps it going, it could be, it, it, yeah, yeah. you know, that's that like, that's special. Like, like as long as it's, it doesn't like fail the crowd and let like last night at the club or whatever, like as long as it doesn't clear out the room or something like that, you know, that was it wasn't me by the way. Uh, and it wasn't anyone in this room. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it was Rick James. Bassett, yeah, Bassett actually just uh, stopped by a, a club that we all met up at, and I guess the DJ that was at the club just uh, somehow just <laughs> happened to clear the room out in like uh, ten minutes. It was it's like a world record. I've never seen a room clear out that fast in my quick. life. From that video, it was, it was like a fire drill. Like everyone was just leaving <laughs> for real. It was a drum. <laughs> it was a fire drill. It was literally like. <laughs> Please exit to the nearest. Please head to the nearest exit. <laughs> right. Everybody was lined up. Everyone, just, right. yeah, they were like, <laughs> all was just lining up. Yeah, man. Like the just exit was so packed, exit. you had to go into yeah. a single file. It was, it was almost like the end of like a marching band, like a like like a thing, and then they like they, they it was like, like a movie theater when the movie was done. Everyone was just leaving through the aisles. It was pretty epic, man. I've never seen that. That's the first time for that. I know, I know the managers there were like flipping the fuck out, like what the fuck's going on? But yeah, that's a perfect example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. Like, and 
Look, if it's a groundbreaking thing, sometimes it's like it does go over people's heads. That's how groundbreaking shit can be, yeah. right? Like, and sometimes you don't, you, you, it takes a minute to recognize the greatness, or maybe people don't understand exactly what's going on. I remember um, this girl, Sinara from Brazil, when Flip first came out, it was like a beta, like Flip and Serato. She did, she was doing, she did, made Flip happen, and none of us had seen it. It literally came out like that day or something like that. And this was in, uh, in Baku, Azerbaijan. And she did this, she did a Flip live. And we had never seen that. And we were like, oh, my God. Like, you know, people don't really use flip like that too much. Like, uh -huh. But she did it right there and, like, in front of us. And none of us knew how she even did it. Like, we don't know if she talked to Serato or whatever. But she made the loop live. And we were like, this is amazing. And kind of translated to the crowd. But for us, it just, like, that right. seeing that innovation, mm -hmm. we had, like, she, that really gave her points. And she had them advancing the next round and that was part of it for sure has anybody ever sent you like a pizza trying to win you over you know no you no, know, no. Some flowers <laughs> you know i mean steak dinner no people you know i i keep I, I i keep super neutral it's it's a it's a thing like i you know i don't i don't i don't feel like people ever try to butter me up but then sometimes people feel a little sort of like can i even talk to you i'm like yeah you can talk to me but like and some, I mean, sometimes people will be like, well, do you have any suggestions? I'm like, no, I can't really do that. Like, I can't give you a private coaching lesson of what right. you need to do. Like, I can, I can talk to you about general concepts of DJing, but I can't really say, like, like yeah, I like can't I'm give you an unfair advantage or something like that. Like, I'm really like that. digging like, dance hall records this month. Right, yeah, yeah. You're like, this is how to win me over. I can only, like, only, like, speak on it uh, publicly. I don't like to give, I can't give anyone preferential treatment. It's not fair. Is there a certain it's like, like ethical thing, you know what I mean? Is there a certain style or like technique that you're like tired of seeing? Like you don't want to see it anymore? Like sometimes. Tone play. Yeah, I'm pretty over tone play. I got to be honest. I Well, look, I'm not over tone play, but it, it, unless tone play is exactly in key or it, it has to be musically, like if your tone play is off, it's like I'm taking points away. What is like, it, like the Rough Rider tone play that you're tired of? Like that? Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it should just never take away. I mean, we talked about Four Color Zach. He, he kind of like, to me, he like smashed that game, you know? Mm -hmm, and yeah. But like when I did the Star Wars thing, it's kind of like tone play yeah, in some is. way, yeah, you yeah. know? So it's sort of like mm -hmm. this, like, I, I can appreciate taking a musical idea and taking it to another level. But do you, do you appreciate it as much, let's say, that Star Wars? I think we had this conversation, right? If what? that Star Wars... Uh, routine. routine that you did if you had never done it before and someone did it and they did it on with the Q buttons would it be the same thing? It's not no. the same dude. No, I, I, the juggle part is the the, 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 the kind but of do you, factor I, and, and does that do the Q points and so the S9 right? mixer kind of does it kind of ruin the competition a little bit? No, because people get caught up in the yeah. all the effects and everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not crazy about pads. I mean, someone can freak it, but to me, like in my mind, and I don't want to favor anything over. I, I just to me, it's not it's not a uh, defining part of DJing. It's mm -hmm. like a mm -hmm. spice of DJing. So I don't feel like. I feel like if if it's a drumming thing, then that's a drumming competition. Cool, and it can spice something up. It can it, t it can elevate and it can do something. But ultimately, I'm, I'm judging like the flow of your set and the music you play, and it can be a part of the skills. But it's not like to me, it's a piece of DJing, but it's not really DJing. <laughs> it's like it's a it's a skill. It's like right. a piece of the puzzle. Mm. And I 
It's like playing what is yeah. that '80s game? Simon says, really yeah. good. Yeah. Simon says, <laughs> well, yeah. Like I, I'm glad you, you compared it to like a drum pad, like a digital yeah. drum pad, yeah. or like a beat machine, right? Like where you're like making beats almost, right? Like with the, yeah. with the pads. And that's what that's what it is. And 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 there's parts of that that performance. And 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 I, I don't I don't ever like to say definitively there's a yes or no because I always like to leave the door open for someone to innovate. Because even scratching is an innovation, mm-hmm. you know? And when scratching came into the DMC, people were like, no way, we can't have this. You know what I mean? But yeah. then it eventually became what transformed it into this, for better or worse, thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And the, the craze era and, and rock rate and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you got to kind of leave the door open for people to define what it is. But for me, I think 15 minutes, the reason the thing is that long is you can't drill something you have to dj you have to play music and you have to build a flow and ultimately if you're the best drummer in the world that doesn't mean anything if you can't build the flow you can use it as a tool but like be careful right don't go overboard with it do you have a a system of of judging like uh like like boxer like boxing uh judges go from one through ten eight around if you fall if you get knocked Mm, down mm. do you have like okay this was like a nine or how do you how do you yeah, judge? Yeah, I mean, not really. Like we have we have like, and they've changed a, a few times over the years. Of just like just the weightings between uh, originality, creativity, skill, track selection, and crowd response are like kind of like the general five. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and the, the weighting changes a bit. My personal method of judging is I try to write down as many moments of the set as I can, even in just like chicken scratch, like, okay, intro, like I kind of like say what is in the, the intro that the DJ does is and then kind of try to write down the moments. And then, so that gives me an idea cause they go so fast. Right. And after you see six people in a row, back to back to back, you're like, who did what, you know? So I try to write down <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I find that if I do that, and then when I go back and I can look at these sets and I can, f- I can kind of feel, what they built and feel the moments mm-hmm. and then I'm sort of like and then I look at the like look at how many sort of highlights they had and what paid off in the long run because sometimes really dope things happen but then it like they they don't they have a big like fart or something yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like ooh, you know and then another guy might have not had the hypest moment but like overall their set was like amazing like pace you know what i mean so i try to like write down everything that happened and then from there i'm like okay what what where do all the categories fit in and, and what what and then like if something worked i put like a plus plus and if something didn't work i put like a minus minus mm-hmm. and i kind of like i just use that and that over i find that that is a way to stay true and just remind me of what happened because it can go so quickly and so a lot of times that's my f- first part is just like jotting down what happens like taking notes in school or some shit like that mm-hmm. Um, do you guys want to have any other questions about I have the, a, uh, this? It has nothing to do with the battle, but I just want to have um, want to know how you feel about CDJs. Man, like I I want to say I love CDJs, but like yeah, like I I think have you ever seen DJ EZ? No, EZ or EZ from the UK. He's just nasty with. Oh it. wait, like, wait, I think I have. I yeah. mean, he, he like Boiler Room has posted this thing for a yeah, few times, yeah. and they it's say it's like nasty. the hypest moment of Boiler Room history, and really? it's bananas. Like what he does with looping and and just like the cues and and just the way he freaks it. Mm-hmm. Look, like I again, I try to leave the door open for mm-hmm. innovation because like yeah. let's not forget like n- hip hop was isn't. It came from all other musics, and the turntable wasn't supposed to be used this way, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, 
if you that's kind of like the pot calling the cattle black if you say oh now we got all these rules oh you do well you broke all the rules to start the whole shit yeah. so mm-hmm. so um and cdj's yeah i like i'm not a purist i, I still love vinyl and I, I still love the yeah. sound of turntables but if you can do something with cdj's that sounds good mm-hmm. who am i to say that it's it's right or wrong yeah i just think that with a turntable, it's a bit easier. The, the sound of scratching is kind of built, like the we know scratching is kind of built around the way a turntable works. Mm-hmm. Digitally, it's it's a bit different digitally with a CD player and the way that it that it that it cuts. But some people can get funky with it too. Yeah. Then a CD has its own characteristics. CD player has its own characteristics that turntables don't. That it can even mm-hmm. do certain things even better. And like when I went over to the, to the Netherlands, man, everyone's on CDJs and they freak it over there, man. Like, oh, yeah. like, and part of it was like the clubs over there, just the local trends. So like, and you know, in the, in the islands, like all, all the reggae DJs switch switch to CDJs, and that was oh, yeah? partially because vinyl, like you know, the, hard to keep in c- good condition in some of those right. conditions, like the weather. And it's like, yeah, you can't sit here and tell me like you're going to be a purist over people that just literally can't do those things. Mm-hmm. They're going to make their own styles. And you know, when you hear those big old wheel ups, like. Like the super, oh, yeah. high, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a part of that sound. Right. Then at yeah. that point, yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, so I'm, I'm open to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the islands, you're like from Trinity, right? Trinidad. My mother's from Trinidad. Your mother's yeah. from Trinidad. Yeah. So we were like talking earlier. We we're like, yo, he's, he's like, uh, he's got some Caribbean descent. <laughs> he's yeah. in, He's in Toronto. Yeah. Can, well, he, right. can he do the Can you do the Toronto like Drake talk like? <laughs> The big teens, you know what I mean? Yeah, if I get going, maybe we have a couple of drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real 16, eh? Yeah, 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 I'm a sick man, eh? Oh. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, like, people kind of fronted on Drake for that, but like, for real, if you're... They, I don't think they understand they it. They don't that's understand that's it. Actual, heavy over there, right? West yeah, Indians for are sure. Heavy they're like, yo, you trying to be fake Jamaican, you, no, you know? No. And then, they're like, they don't realize that if yeah, you Toronto grew, is... You grow yeah. up around... A lot Mad of West Indians, people. yeah, West yeah. Indians, and this, the 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 way people speak in Toronto is crazy, and they you know, like yeah. the guys and the still, and like the, they have these just words that you, you don't hear anywhere else because it's a crazy fusion of the like Caribbean, but also like Indian population, mm-hmm. like. And it's like they're like the the mix in Toronto is like the most multicultural city yeah, in North it's America. It's a mix of like a little UK African too. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. So so the UK is kind of the Commonwealth because Canada is a Commonwealth country. We still got the Queen on our coin and stuff like that, right? So mm-hmm. we got a little bit of the UK, and then so the, all the islands have all their own little things. So you get this just this big melting pot of slang. Right. And and the way that Drake's talk, he's not trying to be a fake Jamaican. That's actually like if you're growing up in Toronto, you grow up around. That, those kind of things, yeah. those those accents, and just the way people talk, and then you move there, and it's just like, like I don't know. I think people take that a little bit overboard. They just like when you start to travel, you just realize like everywhere's got their own little flavor, right? And ultimately, it's communication. You know, like some people look at it as like playing a role, but like if you if you live it somewhere for long enough, you're gonna start talking like the people there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's a way to communicate, and you want to feel at home, and, and and all this other stuff. Like I don't think like he never tried to put it on it, but. It just like that's who he grew up around, yeah. you know, and 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 the people he keep the company keeps around him, you know. So did you did you ever know Drake or did you ever? No, like only one time we did had a gig. Like basically, when I moved to Toronto was when Drake the Drake rocket ship took off. So mm-hmm. like it was like whew. and like because like you know DJ Respect um, for Toronto, he used to DJ for him, and and Junior Flow used to do some stuff with him, who's with Keys of Crates now, I think, or something. Like he he was 
trying to get on for and i knew of his stuff and he he put out that song with trey songs i think irreplaceable girl yeah. or something mm-hmm. like he had he had some stuff brewing and then like i remember hearing I, I wasn't really like really checking for him and pretty much until the song uh, i'm so fly came out oh i love that record yeah which was this record um by this guy named page Mm-hmm. And Paige had this record, and it was a, it was like a dope club record, kind of like sort of synthy. Or I might be thinking. I, it's like I, the I'm still. I know fly. what record you're thinking about. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a it's a sample. It's exactly. kind of like a sample it's of I'm of still the, fly. Of the big timers. Yeah, big mm-hmm. timers. Yeah. And and then Drake sang on it, and he sang on an auto tune. It kind of sounded dope. Yeah. And then Drake did a freestyle over the Page beat. And it's funny if you go back and listen to the freestyle at the start of it. He says, he says, he says, oh yeah, this is that. I'm just doing this little singing thing. It's just something I tried here for the first time or something. He's like, yeah. he's like, I'm just messing around, you know. And you're like, <laughs> that is yeah. what took him, took him right. up, you know. And then best I, best I ever had came right. out. So I basically moved to yeah. Toronto like basically the summer that best I ever had came mm. out. And so like he took it there. He, like, he he basically went on tour with Lil Wayne when I moved to Toronto, so I didn't really catch him yeah, around. So, so yeah. that's fine. And that's fine, you know. Like, yeah. it, you know, he just, like, it's crazy to see what Drake has become and, and everything. And it's, it's How long <laughs> were you in uh, Montreal before five Toronto? Year, five years, know? yeah. And what sparked that move? Um, well, yeah, I started DJing at the Drake Hotel, so that was this... Uh, Drake, yeah, what yeah. a coincidence. <laughs> thing. I, and Drake yeah. happens to be performing in Vegas tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, so Halifax again, this connection to Halifax, there's a bunch of people working at this new hot hotel club spot called the Drake Hotel, and it was like. It was. It, I don't know. It's a. It's a. It's like sort of like a boutique hotel. You've been there before. No. Maybe? Okay. It's a. It's. It's sort of like in the West End. At the time, it was like further west than anyone was going downtown. But it was like this cool, super cool, forward thinking. Like they had all these kind of cool uh, acts coming through, crazy techno acts from Norway to art, super art installments, all these crazy things. And but there was a lot of people from Halifax that worked at the bar there. And it was popping, but the, the people at the bar were like, yo, we got to get Scratch Bass in here for a real party. You know, like they were so like, they put in the word. They big yeah, me, they yeah, big yeah. me up. And so at, at the bar, like they were like, and they, but at the first time, the, the talent booker like wasn't believing it. He was like, oh, who is this? Like, we don't right, need right. book. We have all this awesome, t- crazy talent coming in. And so the people at the bar had a bet with him about liquor sales they're like they know they're like okay yeah you got like they're bugged him enough they're like he was like no nah, man we're like we're not gonna sell anything at the bar. They're like look nova scotians drink and we do it's a big thing and yeah. he's like he's like they're like we'll bet you you know you don't break two thousand dollars if if you you know they made a fun right, bet right. right and so like and so they brought me down for a party and we turned it out and so like six thousand dollars worth of booze or whatever at, the, at this bar and like then it was like oh they're like oh this is a real thing eh? so like <laughs> so like you know I, I, I sat around and like 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 I hung out for the weekend it was a super cool bar and then I started doing a monthly and I, was, I would come down and take the train and it really built some steam mm-hmm. and at the time Montreal was cool to me. But there was this kind of like I had kind of done what I wanted to do, and I kind of felt a bit stagnant there. And the Toronto thing was like really like the shows were like I was getting so much other shows because now I could start to play reggae and dance hall. I could I really felt like the over- yeah like is, what's the difference in the in the scenes like is Montreal more a little like EDM more yeah well, especially at the time when I moved there like I remember when I moved there like that's when MIA broke so like and Montreal is kind of it's like 
people go to Montreal in their twenties to sort of explore them, like do whatever the fuck they want. Like right. it's it's like kind of like because the drinking. It's like eighteen to drink six. Like yeah, kind of, and and it's it's the French English thing. So mm-hmm. it um, and it's just sort of like still feels worldly or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and you can kind of go. And like get away in Montreal. A little it bit. feels like a baby Europe sometimes. It when is. You're there. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I would say it's the most European feeling city in North America. Yeah, and 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 you know, I mean, the party's late and people like it's got this little sort of like, you know, you're 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 separated from things a little bit. It's like a different different country almost. Mm-hmm. It feels like, and they tried to become a different country a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quebec, like the the French part of Canada, trying really, to separate. They were, they they were like this this close. Like. They be feeling themselves <laughs> sometimes. Like they think they're like. And honestly, over time, that wore on me a little bit. I speak French as well, and it's yeah. something I learned because um, the part of Halifax, like Nova Scotia, like it's part French. There's parts that are, that are French, mm-hmm. but like, what I wasn't from Quebec, and um, and it's not, and I I, I don't. I don't feel any type of way about it except it would just I could see that like I wanted to build more and yeah. it wasn't really happening and I wasn't really like building like contributing to the scene in the way that I wanted to and so when I started doing Toronto and I felt this like movement and I felt people really getting behind me and like loving what I was doing I was like damn I'm kind of getting more love down here mm-hmm. and that was going good and then that summer I met my wife um, and so she was living in Toronto at the time, but she's originally from Halifax. I didn't know her, and and I met her in Halifax over the crazy. summer. We linked up, and then she went back to Toronto, and then I had still had the monthly gig going down, so I'd go down and stay for a couple of days, and like we had this little long-distance relationship thing going on, and then I was like, okay, like all my chips are on Toronto, and I'm going to Toronto. So. How long is the travel from? It's a five-hour train ride. Um, it's, it's a one-hour flight. Yeah. One, uh, so mm, I, sometimes it's... Minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's a short, a short flight, but okay. I, I kind of like taking the train. Like, yeah. it went downtown to downtown, and then, like, I'd prep my songs and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. like, it's just chill, you know? So, yeah. um, so I'd do Probably that. Probably cheaper, too, right? It's cheaper, too, yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. That's hey, man, never underestimate that. That's that. usually the motivating factor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, no, it is, like, I like, you know, there's Wi-Fi, and there's, it's <laughs> no, a nice view and everything like that. But, yeah. but, man, like, I mean, I don't know if this is something you guys have talked about on road before, but... Um, you know, budgeting as a DJ is a really important part of the whole it is. career yeah, thing, definitely. man. Yeah. You know, it's fun and all, and it's, you know, the money comes pretty quick, but, like, you got to budget that shit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. really, what was the value? Like, I'm thinking, like, looking at this pl- the train ticket and saving, may, may I save 200 bucks? And, you right. know, even if you're getting paid a few Gs or something like that, you might be, like, 200 bucks. It adds up over time, and then I'm like... What am I really gaining out of taking the plane? Mm-hmm. I still got to take a cab to the to the to the thing and then wait in security and then fly and land and then I got to take the cab into the city, and I'm like I'm really gaining like an hour, right? And I'm kind of going through all the stress and I'm emptying my pockets and getting on. I'm like, let me just go on the train, right? You know what I mean? You could arrive at the, you could arrive at the train five minutes before it takes off and hop on, no security. Got a point. Yeah, yeah, oh, the, yeah. the hardest the hardest shit ever was when I first started traveling on the road like no one schooled me on like getting reward points yeah and then just like just like yo when when you get to the city you want to go this way you want to do that or mm-hmm. whatever like that like mm-hmm. and you just start picking shit up and then it's just it it really is like like traveling like that being on the road can really fuck you fuck mm-hmm. you up if you're not like really well if you have these inefficiencies the little tiny mistakes grow and grow and grow right yeah. so like you're like oops like this like this small error can cost you big time once you start 
like doing more shit. I remember I was traveling for like a year and then I, I didn't have any reward. I wouldn't like had any reward points. And someone was <laughs> right. like, someone was like, yo, are you an idiot? I get like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And All you gotta do is remember a nine digit number. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I feel like if there was much. a train that get left out of Nevada, we would all be taking the train a lot more. <laughs> I wish there was a train <laughs> like, to LA. Yeah. Like that'd be amazing. Well, they, they've been that. working on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of years. Though. Overseas yeah. is amazing. Like traveling train around Europe and stuff like that yeah. in Germany. It's just like a chill way to travel. Yeah, I yeah. feel like also like just in your you need, like you know you're sitting on a plane it's like it can be real tense and shit you know what I mean like it's just like and people get mad and on the train everyone's just sort of like you know <laughs> yes. moving a little slower like it's I mean or Japan you're zipping around it's crazy yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, you know I think that's like a bigger longer conversation for another <laughs> podcast but like <laughs> the train yeah. rides <laughs> the yeah. train yeah. hey so uh, how did um the barbecue start. Because, you know, you moved to Toronto for your yeah. wife, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shouts out to my wife. But you've been doing the barbecues a long time. Yeah, right? so actually the first barbecue that I ever did was in Halifax, like, way long ago. But it was just, like, a one-off kind of funny thing I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. But at the time where I was playing, like, three nights a week or something like that, and I was doing all these shows, but you're playing 10 to 2. You're always playing in dark clubs. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was sort of like, I, you know, I, I'm a huge music fan, like, my my taste in music is like extremely wide, and I thank hip hop for that because I got into all this everything that they sampled, and then eventually just started liking yeah. that music itself, and then boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, and mixtapes used to be an outlet for me, but then I'm like, okay, like, and people would be like, yo, I love your mixtapes. Why, why don't you play some of that at the club? I'm like, because it kind of doesn't really fit there, some of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so, I, well, how am I going to play some of this stuff? I want to play in a public environment, but still like share this these other vibes that like not just in a dark club on the weekend or yeah. early night. so i was like all right well let's do like a like a jam like in my mind it's basically like the summertime in the lbc video or something like that like it's just yeah. like a, a jam on a sunday or whatever it's when, like when was the first one you did like it was probably in like and this was like before i even thought of it as like a, a day bigger pod. thing it yeah. was just one like a one-off or like something i did for fun probably 2002 or 2003 wow. like just a fun one-off little thing like it was like and 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 i think like maybe about eight people came to like the early part of the day people didn't really get what i was doing yeah and, and it was just me and my homies we were kind of hanging out with this music and then we ended up doing the later thing and people came to the club later and what i ended up doing was i took the the like the old the, the circular barbecue and i was just gr- grilling like hot dogs for people as they came in the club they're like what are you doing I'm like you want a hot dog you know they just like this is kind of cool you know like yeah, then we yeah. went to the club so people and then like we didn't obviously we we didn't have it fine tuned or anything, but I just had this idea that I wanted to do this sort of like food party and mm-hmm. mix it with music, and that was like early. And then my manager at the time, uh, you know, he's like, "That was kind of cool what we did." Like, and he's like, "Maybe we should try to do that in Toronto." This is like right when I moved to Toronto, so about ten years ago, we kind of started to actually try to do that concept. So that would have been like maybe like five years after that. He's like, "Let's try to take this to." A, Let's try to do this as a real event. How often do you do the barbecue? Like a year? Uh, last year we did nine. Nine? Yeah. And that was yeah. uh, probably our most. And the previous year probably, I think, From seven. what, like one, what month? Well, like mostly did, during yeah, the spring, summer? Yeah, time. exactly. Yeah. Well, it, and we always do the Red Bull 3 style. It's like the official Red Bull 3 style, like after party. Like mm-hmm. the day after, it's like, so we're doing the first one this year will be in Taipei. And mm-hmm. then uh, South by Southwest. Are so you doing one in Taipei? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How that dope lineup is lineup is crazy, by the way. What are you gonna barbecue out there? You know, chicken feet. Are you importing like fucking? I bring my sauce. 
So typically what I do Oh yeah you have your own sauce Yeah Typically what I do is He's feeling himself (laughs) Talk that shit Scratch Yeah it's a Well the sauce I make the sauce with uh, Some people in Toronto That like have been making Family sauce for So you have it in the stores I don't have it in stores You gotta get it from me Or uh, What's the the website What's the website Scratchbasted.com S-K-R-A-T-C-H So I can get it from your website Yep Have you seen his website No I haven't There's a lot of shit Going on on that website (laughs) (laughs) We're in the process Of updating It's mad old Even my logo Has no beard on it You have school yeah, yeah. What? Scratchschool.com. Yeah, Scratch School. Get out of here. Yeah. Should have called it the Bastard School. The Bastard School. <laughs> and the bastard. Um, yeah, but you're I, doing a lot of shit. Yeah, I don't know. I, a I, lot of cool shit. I just yeah. like to like. They're all just little ideas. Again, it's sort of like when I have an idea, I just wanna. I try like I try to build on a concept. Like mm-hmm. I try to put it in place. And then like try to tweak it and improve it and see if it works and 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 and. You know, also with the help of my management, like I, I, I have a, a real good team around me, and uh, uh, shouts out to Rock Paper Management, Mark and Rowley. Nice. Um, I think it's, I th- and we'll try stuff. And I, you know, I'm not. I, I try to stay like real about it. Like if it doesn't work, it right. doesn't work. Some, I don't know. I'm sure I've had some failed concepts over the time, but like, if something's coming from a good place and you want to do it for the right reasons, I think, like. If I believe in it, you can make it happen. And then eventually it's you, you weigh the cost and the benefit of it. How much time is it taking and what am I getting out of it? Or I swear, man, I hate a motherfucker with a team, man. <laughs> I love the I love the I apron. It. I hate a motherfucker the apron with a team. He, the, the apron he be wearing sometimes? Yeah. That shit is hard as fuck. I hate that. Can never, you buy the apron on so, the website? Never, you got a team? <laughs> I don't have a team. I'm, <laughs> Yo, D, I'm, you got a team? I'm my only nah, team. Me, gotta, myself, and Gotta get yourself One a team, bro. <laughs> get yourself a team. I'm going to get myself a team. Well, look, well, here, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> I do, I do want to talk about it. Because I... Cause like he did like, some glo- Golden Globe shit. He's like, I gotta give a shout to my team. I know. <laughs> like, Thank God. I know. I know. But listen, listen. I seriously, and this is like, I guess, would it be my third iteration of managers. I had a manager maybe for like one year in mm-hmm. Halifax, and then I had another manager that I worked with mostly in Montreal, and then after I moved to Toronto, now I've been working with these other guys for four years basically. But I do think like. Somehow, if you can just even just delegate jobs to even if it's your homies or something like that, yeah. it can just really, really benefit to have somebody in place that can help you with something. Definitely. Whether it's helping you book flights, because like there is so much to do. And it's like you could be like, I mean, even now I could be even working more efficiently on certain parts of my thing, you mm-hmm. know, like and, and, and you can only delegate so much. But like I do think that for DJs out there trying to level up or something like that like don't be afraid to pay someone a little bit to to help that happen Mm -hmm. because i can tell you that through management and agency like at first sometimes you're looking like oh man this person taken from me but like if they're worth their 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 weight they're going to make that money back and then some you know what i mean like because it's always i find especially with bookings it's like it's like it's if i paint a picture and i'm trying to sell it to you and we're friends it's like or if I paint a picture, I'm trying to sell it to you. I paint it. I'm emotionally connected to that, and it's like, it's hard for me to give it a price because I'm like, I, you know, I like it. Well, you're not being realistic about the market value. Yes, because you made it. And yeah, it, you're yeah. you're yeah. right there. Yeah, but if you have you give it to someone and then they they say, oh well, and they're having a conversation about the thing I did, and they're like, obviously this is worth this, right? This mm-hmm. is what it's worth, and they tell you why. It's always easier for someone else to say it's worth this even if you know you're worth sometimes it's hard for you to say it or maybe that's just for me personally 
can be hard for me to to sometimes say like I'm worth this, even though like that there's an opportunity cost right. over here and there, and this person I could be making this over here and. You know what I'm saying? Well, what kind of a negotiator are you usually for yourself? Because the kind of when I negotiate, mm. I end up lowballing myself. Yeah, me, <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because to me, I'm just like I'm just happy to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, just happy to be here. I'm exactly. just humble to do it. And then if mm-hmm. I ask for anything more, I feel like an entitled piece of shit. Exactly. Know? And 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 I think that's an important to realize that that's a characteristic of yours, yeah. and then to put someone in place. And it's not like a gatekeeper, but certain things. And then look, I have times where I'm like, okay, look. This has to be, this is a worth doing no matter what it is, so we're going to do it, you know? And there's there's a sliding scale, you know what I mean? And and But it helps to have someone else there to help slide that scale. Yeah, yeah. I think just working together, like, I think it, sometimes DJs don't want to work together. Like, they're just afraid, like... They want to just for self. Yeah. Just go out for themselves. I, I mean, there's a competition, too, because it's just kind of like, yo, like, if I helped you with something and... And uh, then you help me with something, and then I blew up. You're kind of like, well, how come that shit didn't help mm-hmm, for me? Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. there becomes this thing of like, well, your career is moving more than mine. And mm-hmm. I just think like, uh, even with this podcast, us just even teaming up and working together more, and just like communicating more, I think it's kind of helped us at, in our DJ careers a little bit, right? Yeah. Even with yeah. the marketing and how we approach marketing and view marketing and stuff like that. Yeah. Way different. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's. It's definitely important to level up with your with a crew of dudes. For sure, you know? for sure, and, and and it's like this: like if you look at successful people in like in in hip hop or in music, like the people that team up and work together, yeah. like you know, you look at like Rockefeller or something like that, or even like Cash Money or something like that. Like these people like have like teams in place. Like, I mean, bad shit happens too. Like whatever, but like you look at the teams that they assemble, and you're like, mm-hmm. damn, like, like they. There's a lot of strategy going on there, and even in the DJ world, you you, you see you see it happen. And some some it, it, things have their time, and they fall apart, and every everything everything like again, like I say, I'm on my third set of management or whatever, and and things have just changed every, every now in, and then here in, and there. In a, I've been through probably uh, two stages of managers, mm. but in in your case, going through three stages of managers, mm. ultimately, mm, what were the what was the main problems? And do you think it was a repeat? Was it you or was it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like sure. where you're kind of the blame because you're allowing certain things to, you're yeah, not well, speaking up on certain exactly. things and whatnot. Well, that, it kind of comes to that. Like you're, you're inevitably be inevitably going to come with something, something's going to happen where you're like, you disagree on something or right, something's right. going to happen. That, that happens in everything. And I think playing sports prepared me for that shit. Like yeah. sometimes you're going to throw the ball out of bounds mm-hmm. at the worst time possible and you're going to lose. And someone's got to take responsibility for that. Right. And things like that happen. But then, like, if you're working with someone that can't take responsibility for their errors or something like that, mm-hmm. or they have characteristics that don't gel with you. Because remember, they're representing you. So if they have some characteristic that it, you think you don't look, you think is bad, and then they have it, you, maybe that's going to grind over time. You know what I mean? Like, all these things. It's like it's just like any relationship. Like, wh- you know. Are you one of many DJs that your manager's manage i'm the only one actually you're the only uh, one of the d of djs that they they work with a few other artists as well okay um have you ever worked with a manager that had multiple djs uh yeah my last manager had a few djs did you feel like it was a problem of them actually like when you got a gig was it like oh i'm gonna spread this gig over to all the guys now it was kind of varied varied enough that i wasn't really competing with people in the same house right but there would be times where i'd be like a little bit jealous of like oh like let's work on me yeah you know not like not you know and 
So, yeah. Well, how do you get to a point? How do you think you get to a point where you just need, where you can get a manager that, like, really just focus on your own shit? You know what? Like, like in my current situation, like, the guys I work with, like, it actually started playing basketball. Like, I played ball with the, with my, 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 main, my main manager, Mark, and we played ball. And we are like, Stockton Malone, man. Like, it was, everything was clicking. Right. You know? And we're like, oh, shit. Speaking my this, language. I love this. <laughs> you kind of have this, like this sixth sense and I know where you're going to be in this. And, and like he started managing a few bands and I was like, Oh cool. And he started getting like some, some, he started making some opportunities for them. And I saw like how he like made opportunities for them. And I'm like, Hmm, like I'm not really having that in my situation amongst other things. There were other long-term things that graded over time that got worse and, yeah. and, 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 and certain things and personal stuff. But and it was sort of like, okay, I was kind of like starting to decide I, I have to look toward, look to something else because I decided I got to get out of this situation. And I'm looking over here and I'm like, okay, like he's doing really cool stuff here. And like, and like, so like, I, like, I was like, okay, well, and like we had some, we were always hanging, playing ball. And I'm like, Shh, we got a good chemistry. So we work well together. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, well, let's just start working together. You know? Yeah. Like, and so like I ended up for, some, for like kind of like a bigger reason, left my other manager and then like eventually we're like all right let's why don't you want to manage like like maybe like one day after basketball like you want to manage me like like, (laughs) let's go let's do this is there a transition period where you know you're going to lose some gigs or you're going to you're going to like there's where there's going to be a moment where the money's going to go down a certain degree (laughs) but yeah you have to kind of rebuild it Mm -hmm. back up right Mm -hmm. yeah exactly because like there's going to be a period where like you start working and uh, unless you're booking for yourself and it was like a three-month period and then your old manager might if he's petty enough or he might try to like blackball you or, yeah. or like destroy some of the relationships that you have. And yeah. Like, you for, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It could happen. I mean, yeah. anything can happen, right? Like yeah. it all depends yeah. on how you handle the situation. And, but I, I think that knowing that anything can happen, the fear, don't let the fear of that something could happen, ruin the opportunity to work with someone and build something. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because it can be, it can, it can be, it can be a great thing. Don't, don't let, the idea of like lose like not everyone's gonna rip you off, and even if someone is gonna like do a bad thing for you or rip you off, like you have the choice to to pull out of it if you're smart about how you move, like agreements right, right, that you right. have. You could sign contracts and things like this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is it, you, you can choose to make it not as bad. Like you can you can it's whatever p- position you put yourself in. And I don't I think that some people like w- fear of the worst and don't and then that holds them back from even potentially becoming better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. But back to the barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, do. You guys mostly do it in Toronto, yeah. or is it, is it spread out through different cities? Um. It started and, in Toronto. And then, do you want to do it like a do-over thing where it just switches in cities, or not really? Well, I mean, it it's it's we only do one in, in a year in Toronto. So last year we did um, we did Krakow, Poland for the Red Bull Three Star. We did South by Southwest. We did Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Oh, so it does move around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been moving around for the last. Um, six years. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're doing South by Southwest this year, yeah? Yeah, for the second time. Dope. So Then we might have to fly out. Yeah. How was that? I love oh, Austin. Tight. What? Been to Austin, never been to South by oh, Southwest. Yeah, I South by is amazing. It's different yeah. now, though, right? Yeah, it's always changing. The first one I went down to was in, like, 2006, when Houston was, like, popping, like, like Paul Wall, Slim Thug. Like, yeah. It was oh, crazy. Wow. So, because... Um, I, again, I toured with like underground rap cats. This guy um, Josh Martinez and this other guy Sleep, who was from Seattle, and we used to drive around the states in like a white van, and I'd mm-hmm. make like two hundred fifty dollars in a month, and like, 
you know, like it was like sleeping on wherever you could sleep. But that that taught me how to like budget and shit like that. You right. Know? And, and also taught me like I'd see artists like supporting themselves and building fan bases. And I'd see these guys go to some random ass town in Denton, Texas or something and have like 300 people come to their shows. Like, how'd you do that? You know, and it's mm-hmm. like learning the value of like finding the go where you're loved. You know, that that <laughs> saying, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. And and uh, yeah, I don't and, know. I don't. I don't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be hard. To, uh, I'll just stay here for now, but no. I gotta figure out where to go. What's the next destination? No, I feel like I'm getting mad inspirational here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we ended up going to South by Southwest, and I was like, oh man, it's just it's it was that was super cool back then. I mean, yeah. it, it, some people feel it got corporate at a point, but ultimately, I, I feel South by is one of those. Um, you know, it's one of those anchor points for art and music in America every year. Like, yeah. you're going to see a great mix of people from across the country. And then as a music fan, you never know what you're going to see, you yeah. know. And there's tons of shows you can go check out. And you might catch Kendrick playing on a street corner. Like, you might, you know, not not, not not busking or something, like, but on a crazy, like, yeah. you might just be playing a show outside. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw, I saw UGK play when Pimp C was still alive there. Oh, I saw, wow. I saw Ghetto Boys, oh. Ghetto Boys, and Ultra Magnetic MCs in one Get show. Out of here. Yeah, Damn, man. <laughs> all the Ghetto Boys. So like, like Scarface, Willie D, and Bushwick. They had an amazing show. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, I saw David Banner there play at Fader Fort, and he, mm-hmm. you know, like these are all just moments of South by Southwest that David Banner played at three in the afternoon and it was like the crunkest thing I ever seen. Yeah. And he and Manny Fresh was his DJ unannounced. Manny Fresh <laughs> oh, was just there wearing some T-shirt. He bought, he bought, it, <laughs> he bought it like Urban Outfitters or something. It said like. If 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 I don't remember it, it didn't happen. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, man, you just roll out of bed wearing that, bro. Like you, you wore that out of the house. <laughs> so if we were gonna check out uh, Scratch Bash's barbecue, yeah, which one would you recommend, Toronto? The Toronto one. I mean, when do you do I, that one? Look, like I love doing it everywhere, but the Toronto one is very special. Like it's, we've been doing it now for. Uh, this will be our eighth year. Do you do it on OVO Fest weekend? No, I do it two weeks before Caravan. Big things, big things. This is like uh, August, together, July, <laughs> August. Yeah, July. It says like the third week of July. Yeah, Caravan is crazy, right? Usually, yeah, Caravan yeah. is the first week of August. OVO OVO uh, weekend is usually the last weekend of July. Mm. Mm. Well, it's, it's same weekend as Caravan, so it'd be like the first week in August. Damn, yeah. I have to make um, a trip out there, yo. Yeah. yeah. What's the vibes like, man? Well, the Toronto one now, I mean, we got like, you know what's funny? Like, talking of like ma- random girls or whatever, there's this one girl. I remember when I first moved to Toronto, yeah. there was, a, th- I saw this girl on the street and she said, Hey, are you Scratch Bastard? And I was like, Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, She's like, I just want to say, and this was like, I'd been doing my barbecue two years. She's like, I go to your barbecue every year and it's my favorite event of the year. Wow. wow. And she just taught me and said that on the street. And I was like, I love you. Like, yeah. thank you. And, like, that was a moment where I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is becoming something that people go to. They make time for it, and they go to it. Right. And that makes me want to dedicate more to it because mm-hmm. I realize there's – How important it is. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. It's saying a lot when you're in the same city as Caravana. Like yeah. But, you know, Toronto's a big enough city. Like, I yeah. feel like – I feel a couple of things. I feel like it's big enough for everyone to eat, and I, I'm, I'm really inspired by the people like the Caribbean community because those people know how to throw parties, yeah, yeah, man, definitely. and they know how to promote, and they know how to like sell tickets, and they have a community that supports them. You know, mm-hmm. like there's this whole thing. Like I'm kind of like, 
I don't mean it to be a dick, but I'm kind of like anti-guest list in some way. You know what I mean? Like I like like I, I want my homies to come in and stuff like that. But like also like I like to keep tickets at a low enough price where it's like, come on, man, like just put a twenty on it or something like that early yeah. if you want to come. You know? You don't and, want the the pretension of the guest list kind of like the yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like I keep beer really cheap. Like we had beers were like six dollars or something Canadian. Like mm-hmm. you know like yeah. like it's sort of like if we want this thing to run, you got to respect that we're putting a lot of work into it. Right, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, and so and and every now and then someone might not be able to afford it or like you know how much are tickets. Uh, we start now. I think like in Toronto, uh, th- the early birds are thirty bucks. Thirty bucks, and then we kind of move up. From that's, there. Like, uh, dollar, that's like eight dollars. That's like eight eight U.S. dollars. <laughs> oh man, the Is exchange rate. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, bro? I'm trying. I'm trying to just uh, uh, shit on the Canadian dollar. Exchange rate is no, crazy. We love Canadians <laughs> here. They give us the masterpiece of ketchup potato chips. No, you guys are down like twenty percent. No, one hundred fifty American bucks get you two hundred Canadian right now. Oh really? Yeah, it's like it's like holy shit. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's a good time yeah. to be, for me to be making so beers US like dollars, so. beers like three fifty. <laughs> Shouts out to Tech. <laughs> yeah. oh, nice. That's crazy. Yeah. So do you, do you team up with any barbecue spots in Austin while you're out there? Because that's yeah, a big so, barbecue yeah, city. Yeah, so we we team up with Slab. So Slab is uh, they're dope. Yeah, Sl- S- slow, low, and banging. Oh wow! And, uh, and another uh, great Which name is, on this podcast, it, right? Slow, low. So you use your sauce. Um, the slab for the barbecue meat? for the slab for the for the slab we did so I would do the a jerk sauce so we did a, a mm. jerk I, know, I, I looked sandwich. on your website I'm gonna order it tonight before you, you order the sauce use promo code road podcast <laughs> for twenty percent off your order before, <laughs> before you order this fucking sauce okay yeah. that his team is gonna package and ship you <laughs> with stickers <laughs> I, throw an apron in for uh, for good never over there yeah. with your face on it we gotta we gotta figure out if this sauce is something that he was like yo I really love my sauce I'm gonna package my sauce and his team was like yo that's a great idea we're gonna help you do it. Or if it was a thing where people were like, yo, your sauce is so dope, you need to package it. Well, it came, it's it's really a collaboration with. Do <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you have something to do with the sauce, making, putting the sauce together? Did you test it? Like, did you? Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Like, did it, you get the final approval? Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, that's how. It, so these guys make like. 20 different sauces and i kind of went in and i'm like okay these are these are my faves and we're oh. gonna we're, we're gonna work like this so it's a collaboration it's a bastard barbecue it's a collab yeah it's a collab uh. they got the whole bottling plant and everything like that and they make dope sauce and it's caribbean it's like guyanese which if you know you're caribbean like guyana and trinidad is like they kind of hate each other but they're kind of the same people like yeah you know like, like from a from afar you're like you guys have the same accent and you yeah. eat the same food and then from close they're like no nah, man we still so different, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Not so what is it? What kind of sauce is it? Like, a, uh, uh, it, like it's, well, we call it pepper sauce. It's like a Scotch bonnet. So it's like it's yeah, like okay. habanero, but Scotch bonnet is like mm. it, the one that it, and the peppers come from Jamaica. It's like a jerk, then like a jerk. Sauce no, well, they, we, I make a jerk too. So I make two hot sauces. One is uh, just a regular. Well, the other one has a bit more garlic than number yeah. one. The garlic one is my favorite personally, but also the jerk sauce is amazing. And the jerk we just actually imported from Jamaica. Like it's actually how straight. Many, how many bottles of this shit material. are you moving, man? How much are they? Check yeah, right. What we'll yeah, we'll 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 uh, ten bucks each. Got the bastard hot sauce three pack I mean, for nineteen ninety nine. Got the bastard jerk sauce, Jamaican rub and seasoning for seven ninety nine. Let's put it this way: I'm not ready to retire from DJing. Oh, okay, oh, okay. Yeah, this right. looks good though, man. I might have tried this jerk. 
I what stand behind those sauces one hundred percent. Yeah. Look, ultimately, what a fucking promo ad that was! I can't believe but this look. dude is slinging <laughs> yeah. fucking barbecue sauce. He got the garlic <laughs> hot sauce for six ninety nine. <laughs> I'm Tell about me. to do this garlic hot sauce right here for six ninety nine. What else is there? Sure. Like, I mean, the you got uh, the yeah, the apron. Old. I'm a big fan of the apron, by the way. That's Sticker three pack. Marketing strategy. There. Yeah. Yo, I'm not really. Yeah. I'm not feeling the. I'm got not the, feeling the, that. The, the women's tees as well. Got some nice women's tees. You might need to reshoot those women's tees, my I know, man. They're like MySpace I pictures. I know, man. <laughs> Yo, for real, for real. I'm in the process. Of, my team is in the process of updating my website. Oh my god. Look, nobody uses CDs no more. Let's get some. Uh, know, let's bro. get some USBs going I know, on there. Man. I'm just <laughs> you. I'm no, no, for sure. You know how websites go. I might have to DM you and let you know how this sauce is, man. And wait, we might wait, have wait, to wait. do like an on on camera review of the sauce. Yeah, yo. Well, seriously, you know, it's funny. You I'm say a big that. jerk chicken. Oh, I like I like how that's the last <laughs> one. Where's my bag at? Hey, yo, man. We don't even have we don't even have a vessel for the sauce though, do we? Man, twelve fifty no. for my a bag CD, is, yo. My bag is mad heavy. He's got the Soul um, Sister stand-ups uh, <laughs> CD over here yes. for twelve fifty. That's, that's kind a, of expensive, yo. Yeah, that's it. There's that's nice packaging on that CD, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the craziest part: we had chicken earlier. We should just fucking wait it for the sauce, that. right? Oh my oh. god! Should I run back? <laughs> should I go get another four combo? Yeah. So oh, I, oh. I brought yeah. my favorite sauce, which is my number two garlic. Let's see this. Mm. Do we have any like spoons? No, I'm not going to. Come on, man. We're I'm hitting that. Right now. Chetty's. <laughs> I'm Mexican. Hey, yeah, shout out to Chetty's. This is my sauce gang. Yeah. Damn. His sauce team. Nice packaging. Oh, nice packaging. <laughs> I like the. the, the yeah, and, and shout out to my graphic design team. <laughs> oh, there we go. There, there we you go. go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling this portion of the box. Wow. Okay. Number two <laughs> harsh <laughs> Okay. Hey, made from scratch. Ah. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I just got it. Ta-da. You've been missing it all day. I've been missing it all day. Pause. Damn. Damn, This is incredible. Do you guys like... Oh, yo, can you read the ad in like a Toronto? I'll read it in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia? No, I I, I like the Nova Scotia, but can you read it like in that... In that OVO. I'll try my best. I'll try my best. (laughs) Here you go. Let me see. This episode of The Road Podcast is sponsored by DJ City, eh? (laughs) DJ City is a leading supplier of new music for DJs around the world. Oh, uh, uh, big man thing. Yeah. Big man thing. <laughs> From time, they've been providing working DJ. <laughs> I, I, I had to like make a new script. <laughs> okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From time, they've been blessing DJs in all the spots. Them. <laughs> all the spots them. All oh the spots dim. <laughs> oh, real Toronto. Yeah. yeah, with the biggest tunes. <laughs> biggest tunes yeah. for your head top. Yeah, yeah, for your head top. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think I could do the whole thing. I'd have to like rewrite it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have to I change can't it. freestyle. You're basically it, like, like translating it yeah. all. Just read it regular then. <clears throat> all right, let's hear, let's hear the rest in Nova Scotia. Oh, I can do th- I can do that freestyle. Okay, okay let's do that. This episode of the Road Podcast is sponsored by DJ City. <laughs> DJ City is the leading supplier of new music for DJs around the world. Since 2001, they've been providing working-class DJs with the latest club and radio songs, including exclusive intros, remixes, acapellas, and more. Any DJ can subscribe for less than a dollar. Day, a dollar, a dollar a day. You can get all the tools you need to rock a party, club, vibe, mix show, whatever. 
Check out djcity.com for more info. Hey. djcity.com. <laughs> All right, so, so we walk in. We go to Toronto. Mm-hmm. We walk in. As soon as we walk in, what are the vibes? We put get our tickets. There's just bar. Well, one of my favorite. People, one of my favorite things. People is it? Uh, what's the limit? The Toronto one. We had twenty two hundred people there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had so the lineup. So I, one of my favorite things about the barbecue is like curating the lineup because uh-huh. it's like DJing with DJs. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, I want to put this person here, this person here, this this person here. So um, this the year, right yeah, here. yeah, leave the branding, leave the branding. We gotta get this. This year, how did it flow? Um, I do some stuff with a live band in Toronto called Reverse. And they're super dope, like four piece, uh, drums, bass, and we do like some covers of songs. And I, I had I had pieces, and so we had them. Um, we had uh, ESP, JM Cam, um, Headspin. Oh, uh, shout out to Headspin, nasty. And there's no um, particular genre. Anything, no, anything. and well, that's the, I really want. So part of it, like it, it is kind of like my style like it's it's it like i, I like hip-hop it's, it's sort of like hip-hop's flavor but like i i want it like in toronto there's a lot of hip-hop fans like toronto has a crazy hip-hop scene where yeah where, of course yeah yeah, yeah. king but, of the dots a huge like, yeah you guys are basically scene. the new york of canada pretty much right yeah like it sounds pretentious to say that but just that's generally what it is mm-hmm. you know and i can kind of say that i guess because i'm not really from there but um <laughs> but like it's super strong like that when i went there like i first remember going to hip-hop the hip-hop shows in in new york and uh, in toronto and like they play like like Master Ace B sides and everyone be like, oh, yeah. you know, rapping every word to like, to like, you know, whatever Born to Roll or like, like whatever, like top ten list or some shit like that or like, and like or you or they play like Black Moon like B sides or just like album cuts and people be like like hitting walls and stuff like that. Right, right, like right. damn, like I found like this place I want to play. You know, it's like super dope. Then you got the dance hall side like where they just ride so hard for that stuff. So they're just real passionate music people, and I think that comes from. The multicultural right. situation, because mm-hmm. like when you come from a background, you, like music is one of the things you hold on to. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. my mom, like like the Trini side, we would listen to, like we would eat food and then we would like jam after, and we would just listen to like Calypso and so and like and then you know typically like a, a selection of like f- five songs and then let me a, a Mighty Sparrow CD or something like like the Dollar Wine and like you know just like a, collect, a random collection like like this guy black stalin and like like they were just like party jam and that was that and like you should see like my grandmother would be dancing like so my grandmother like basically like grinding like you should have seen my wedding like like my like people like your grandmother is the shit like you're yeah. like i feel like I'm, i want to go home paul but like i don't feel i can go home until your grandmother goes home like she's kind of killing it you know like <laughs> I feel like Toronto has so many people like really identify with it. So when their jam comes on, they're just like they just own it. It's part of that yeah. that culture. So um, I think that that leaks into hip hop and leaks in you know like because I don't know like a lot of those kids like you know grew up on on their parents like in maybe island music or something else. But then then they, when they got into hip hop, they love love it the same way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, their passion for music. And I feel like that like. From my mom's side, and my dad also liked music. I feel like that rubbed off on me. Like I'm really like when I love something, like yeah, yeah, I, I love the song. You know, yeah, I get get hype. It's funny because I would have never guessed that you're from like you have the West Indian background. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, right? yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I mean, she's my mom's white Trinidadian. Like there's 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 all Trinidad is like a, there's all kinds of crazy. Like it's just a it's all the islands have like 
I mean, I think it's almost like somewhat stereotypical, but not like offensively that people think like like oh like you know all Jamaicans are black or like all like they, mm-hmm. they think 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 island means means you're a black person or something like that. Right. You know, like yeah. it's crazy mix. Like there's tons. Trinidad has tons of Indian people, tons of t- Chinese people. You know, yeah, like, there's mad Chinese people exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and in Jamaica, like you know yeah. the chins, like Willie yeah. Chin and all that. Like like it's a it's it's a thing, right? But like. And that because for islands it's just people on boats coming in and out like it's you know you know what I mean so, um, but yeah like I don't I don't look like my mom's from Trinidad I, I like I, I agree yeah, yeah. you know I got a ginger, <laughs> ginger beard like yeah, yeah. you know like yeah I definitely look like Paul Murphy but <laughs> it's but I think it's I think it's like really amazing like you talk about Nova Scotia hmm. Montreal mm-hmm. and all of these things and then you know this caribbean background yeah and then and then when i moved to toronto like i'm like oh damn like it just kind of yeah put everything together kind of right exactly yeah yeah yeah. i love toronto like it's such honestly when last time i was in in toronto man just like i was hanging out with uh your boy brian you know Mm -hmm. and then uh, then, uh, we're we're hanging out with his boy who's from basically it's like an african dude from um the uk Uh uh-huh and then we're like hanging out with uh, Sako D, and it's just like there's so many different races and like cultures, and the music out there. You can like mix it all. You can go in any direction, and it's just like sometimes uh, Vegas can be very just like one lane, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So when I go to cities like that, it's just like fucking refreshing, man. <laughs> and, and, it's and, just and inspiring. It, it, you know, it it can feel like one lane sometimes too, but yeah. but like if you play your cards right, you can definitely mm-hmm. take it in different ways for sure. Yeah, yeah. You can, you know, and that's something as DJs, we got to challenge ourselves to do that. But, Definitely. Yeah. And uh, sometimes well, it's a chicken egg scenario. Can't, is it that you don't challenge yourself or is it that you can't? Yeah, challenge, that you could be I mean? it too. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, coming back from Toronto, I was definitely inspired. Yeah. And then you might try to put it in and maybe it falls flat, but you're like, yeah. you can always play something next you have an emergency record or yeah i don't see it that way when it falls flat i'm basically like you, you fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding yourself <laughs> what did you think you would i was toronto this is vegas i go through that stage of myself but, uh, yeah how how was a good were you gonna ask? i was gonna ask a. you came you're in vegas uh you came out here to uh showcase the new techniques yeah the new 1200 yeah mk seven yeah 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 it's, it's kind uh, of like did they reach out to you yeah yeah that's pretty amazing yeah so actually it was a guy in the canadian office um rob sangramano uh he reached out to me um he's like he liked a lot of my videos and he liked yeah. he liked he also was tight with some uh promoter this guy adam from embrace in toronto and he knew like keys and crates and those guys and 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 he like um he was like yeah like uh you know i had to sign an nda and stuff like we got this new turntable coming out and and he brought me in for a meeting and i went with drastic actually from thugly and we like talked about it and like they showed us like a prototype and everything like that it was super cool how does the did the prototype look very similar to how it looks Uh, now yeah almost exactly like very close yeah and so they were like okay well we're like normally canada kind of gets we we don't have any like as far as the big brands and stuff like mm-hmm. we like we got none of the budget you know because like canadian market like looks a lot to the states for for stuff yeah. you mm-hmm. know so like the reps we don't have any typically we don't have many reps or whatever right. but in this case like japan is the is the main office mm-hmm. and then so canada and america being satellite offices i guess rob just had the idea to reach out to me and then so I guess I responded and, and, and like hit him back and said like, and we started working on it. And 
and it just kind of took off from there. And then like, what I were we, what, what were you working on? Like a, like a marketing? Just feedback. Or just just feedback. Oh, you yeah. see, so you were just testing it out. Yeah. And, Did you take and it home or no. just, just in office? Yeah, just in office. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, that was the first one. The second time that we actually went to a club in the middle of the afternoon and like we tried, tested it out in a club mm-hmm. and played played some records on the club system, which is what you should do because you got to put it in its proper right. environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, we gave and there were some people from Japan there. And it was it was a pretty serious like undertaking. And then when they want came time to launch it, yeah, you know, um, I met some people from the states, Allison, and some, and then they here I am at CES in Vegas, yeah. launching the twelve hundred. What's your favorite feature from the new twelve hundred? I mean, to be honest, it's it's just that it's a continuation of the series of the 1200, which is like the standard uh-huh. club standard turntable. Yeah. I, I like that it's just continues to be solid. I mean, I'd say like the detachable RCAs and the detachable ground is nice. I mean, it's kind of a small feature, but like in the long run, that's one of the things mm-hmm. that goes on your turntables. The digital pitch as well is going to last longer than the other pitch that, you know. What the do you mean by digital of, pitch? It's actually, the, the old one is, is an analog slider, and this one... Is a digital like, like uh, a CDJ. It it's it doesn't have a readout. It's but it's just um, the other one was uh, is a fader. Yeah, yeah. And the new one is like a digital. It's like sequence board. It's like a circuit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and it can be changed. So when you push the button, it just changes the. When you push the t- times two, the plus minus sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so even uh, some like some of the other. I think the I think the M five G is is digital pitch too. The way that you can change it like that. Yeah, yeah, to, to, yeah. So I like that feature. Um, but it it looks There's nice. There's been a lot of uh, mixed reviews. Mixed reviews. Just be people like yo, like I was excited because mm-hmm. I, I I was just like wow, like I'm excited because I'm like wow, like now the nightclubs have. Uh, like a good turntable that they can mm-hmm. use, mm-hmm. and they're not, and then the sound guy is not like lying to me, like I can never get parts. Exactly, I can't get blah blah blah. blah, blah. And um, but then there's the turntablist community. Sorry, the, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, no. And then they, there's another uh, group of motherfuckers that are like, eh, it's a turntable. It's the same fucking thing. Like, right. And then you know we just uh, spoke with uh, XL and uh, Impulse, and they were just saying like, well, like it's already a perfect instrument, number one, and like uh, they changed some of the colors. They have some of these things, but mm-hmm. he's there just like, why did they just remove the ground cable altogether and just solder the ground and, and all? Internal, the yeah. Internalize I think that, it. I think that that can cause problems. You ever? You never had problems with internal oh, grinding? I, no, I never yeah. had problems with that, and I did it on all my turntables. Man, some of them, I, like I never did it in mine, but like sometimes I step on, they're like, it's internally grounded. It's like, <laughs> like oh. Fuck. Now I don't know where the, the problem mm. is. You know what I mean? Mm. Now it's soldered inside somewhere. Now I got to open the thing up. You know, like yeah. I—that's what I didn't like about that. But um, maybe you got your flexi with the soldering or something. <laughs> I don't know. So I paid ten bucks and this guy did it. And I was right. Like, All right, smooth. Another question, because you were in the pro, you were talking the techniques in the mm. in the prototype stages. Mm-hmm. What was their thinking and what was the plan? When they discontinued the techniques, right? The and then they br- and then. They brought it back. And then to introduce this now, obviously they had to been working on this for, I don't little, know, maybe uh, uh, over a year or yeah, maybe. Probably a few. And yeah. then so. I don't know. They didn't no, share any No one's given, no. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's kind of two things. I think some stuff gets a little bit lost in translation. Yeah. Because it is primarily a Japanese com- yeah. country. And the Japanese, can, like English, um, Language barrier is quite thick, man. Like it's tough. It's it yeah. can be tough. Yeah. Um, 
and I also think that it's like it's business. Like no one wants that's a business secret thing, right? Like no one wants to say. Right. But me and Kenny Dope were talking about it, and and I think what happened if it's 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 hard to put yourself back in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, but like that was like like you. I think they could probably see numbers wise that turntable sales were and were shrinking, and also the Technics twelve hundreds are pretty damn indestructible. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I never mm-hmm. bought M five Gs. I was like, I don't need to buy M five Gs. I got like Mark twos that work great, and then mm-hmm. I got a, a Mark three might have a Mark five, but like I think that they made a product that might have been too good at the time. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's, crazy. it's like a Cadillac. Right? It's totally, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, a Cadillac. Like, I mean, I think every DJ has a pair of 1200s that has never died, right? True. Yeah. You know? But I think they also thought, okay, but people are stopping to buy them and new kids aren't buying. And if you remember sort of like 2008, 2009, sort of the emergence of like dubstep and the EDM and, yeah, like yeah. Pe- you know, the turntable started fading a bit. But I feel like, yeah. you know, vinyl has made a resurgence. And, a little bit, yeah. You know, it has. And then, but also I feel like like house music and techno music and kids that are into like disco and rare stuff like even that style of DJing is becoming these kids started on controllers and started maybe and then realizing oh there's something better like I want to be like Larry LeVan or I want to be like Moody, Moody Man or something like that and like that scene like those people are dedicated they buy they buy vinyl and they want to play their 12 inches it's just not yeah. cool either I think what the turntable there's just no there's a a cool element about being on a turntable. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. And then fucking with vinyl. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're on a controller, you just feel like a like a freaking... <laughs> like, like a, a robot. Video. Yeah, there's said, no soul to it. Well, and there's a commitment thing, right? Like, I brought these records. I believe in these records. And that's one of the things that was always dope about bringing crates. You had to pick... You could only carry two crates unless you're a kid Capri and you had, like, you know... Your, your, your a, team. Crate would te- a team. <laughs> you didn't have a team. Look, I don't know if my team would carry my records to gigs, all right? But, like... But like, you know, like, you had to trust what's in those two crates. Like, these yeah. records got to do my work, all my work, mm-hmm. you know? Do you think it might go back to that? Um, I don't think so. No? No, I just think that um, the way that music comes out, because what happened was now people get music, we all get music at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, there, like, there isn't a promo. Well, it's not, I, some, in some, there's some exclusives and some, there's some promos in the, but like, as far as the commercial releases and stuff, we all got the Meek Mill album at the same time. It all just hit the streaming and right, whatever, right, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So once the crowd has something on you, there's like, you need what the crowd has, which right. is the digital. You're not going to wait four weeks for the 12 inch to come back. You know, you're going to yeah. play, you, you know, you're going to. Well, I, I mean, uh, I think music streaming has become so, uh, I think like it becomes disposable. Like music is just not valued as much. And I'm wondering if like just music coming from vinyl yeah. and just parties like that, yeah. make you value it. Just, it. It's just different yeah. when you don't know. Like you know, I we've talked about this before, where the new generation is this Shazam uh, generation. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they want to be surprised, yeah, and go to a party where they don't necessarily know all the music, and not only that, having to be like, yo, it's it's on vinyl, Shazamming it, and then being like, oh shit, like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know about this, or yeah, I just think there's gonna be a point where streaming is so easy, and the the digital age is so easy. At some point, we're gonna like not want. Yeah, it's gonna change in yeah. some way. Do you know what I mean? I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, like, where it's gonna go because I would have never thought that the techniques would have came back. There would have been yeah. an event at at in Vegas with Kenny Dope and, and everyone played vinyl. Cut Chemist and everyone yeah. was on vinyl. For mm-hmm. me, seeing that, I'm like, wow, like this is weird, yeah. but it's dope. 
But yeah. I'm, and there are kids that are going to see this, or there are young, younger DJs, and some of us, and we're just going to be like, yeah, you know, and like, like Coco, DJ there. Coco plays only vinyl. Yeah, like yeah. I've never seen him play on a laptop. You know? Do you think mm-hmm. that um, the resurgence of the techniques? It'll put pressure on maybe needle companies to, to come. Like mm, I'm thinking right. about like maybe Sure. Nice. Come back, Sure. And if, I mean, what's your needle of choice? <laughs> 447. And 447, 100%. Do you come think back. they like are maybe looking at techniques and like, oh shit? I don't know, man. I maybe. Don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I think no. these motherfuckers talk together and then they were like basically like, you know, let's do some Nike Jordan shit. Like, let's just like yeah. cut it. Let's disappear. Let's yeah. break a bunch of hearts and then like come back. Because like, I. You know, like so you can miss them. I feel like yeah, techniques yeah. fans and sure fans of the needles are hand in hand. Yeah, you know I, mean? I think so. But you know, let's not forget, sure makes like all the microphones. True. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like we forget that like at the annual meeting they look at the spreadsheet and they say, "Do we really need to be doing this? Do we need to be like manufacturing? Do we need to be playing for people?" But why the just the M forty four? Yeah, so not all the other ones. And nobody. <laughs> but else the other uses. needles are getting made. Are they still? Yeah. yeah. That's why I was just kind of like you're. Intentionally trying to fuck Yo, the I DJs. You know over. what? I didn't know that. Stone Rock. I didn't know. I didn't know that they're doing. Little like guitar center right now, and they have all the other needles. SC 35s Yeah. 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 Maybe they discontinued the all killers. of them, and they just have a huge stock of them no. that no one's buying, right? <laughs> yeah, why? Why did the four four seven only go up? Right. The other Why would they announce that though? Like, yeah. Yo, we're gonna stop this one. Like, that, fuck you, DJs. That all of you DJs use. We'll see. It might, it might it might influence them too, but yeah. I, 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 someone's going to figure out a solution. There's there are those JN codes that are actually okay. I use actually your book oh, yeah. Brian's tried them. They're pretty good. Which one? The JNCO. Oh, you did, you I was did. looking into that. Yeah, it's good. I just I, I can't say I played a gig with them, but your boy Brian left the, his needle at a gig that we did together. And you stole them, and I, I took him home. <laughs> no, well, I took him home. He was not returning. He was not returning. I took him home for some testing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they were actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It seemed, like I A-B'd them and did the best test I could in, in my, you know. This is the whole thing. Like, you got to be in a closed environment to test that. And, 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 and like, I, I feel like it's hard to, to just tell off the bat if something is like and even with 447s i finally had to break them in mm-hmm. you yeah. know when you break them out of the box they're shaky yeah but then when you leave them on the record overnight mm-hmm. or you start playing a bit more they they wear in they break in and then they yeah. could be, then they start to have a little bit of give so like i don't know like i don't trust other people on when it comes to that shit like everyone has their own everyone moves their hand differently on a record uh-huh. and everyone has different hand weight and everyone has different style so like yeah. It's, yeah. you gotta i i, I so when I tried those and I was like, damn, these these do feel pretty good. Like maybe I should try to get a pair and try them out, but I've got like fourteen four four sevens on ice just like yeah. there. Yeah. Good. Pablo Escobar <laughs> fucking four four seven. So wait, so do you do my you team, co-sign me and my team got fourteen. <laughs> oh man. No, I'm sorry. Okay, that's the last mention of my team for this whole podcast. Shout out to his team one time. Um so do you do co sign do you co sign the Jenkos? Um yeah. Mm. I, not I, ha- I, I I used them for a series of like four minutes. I was like, I called Brian and Brian was like, I'm like, you want your needle back? And he's like, like basically I was like, uh, come pick up your needle. And he's yeah. like, okay, cool. And then I was like, oh shit, I should try this out before I give back. It's so like ran downstairs and like tried. Like, he did the Star Wars shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh shit, they kind of work. Not bad, not bad, not bad. Not bad, not bad. It held up to the Star it's Wars test. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious I but, was in the yeah I, I, I like him Storrock tweeted uh, he tweeted the other day at sure 
and he put ad shirt. You better start acting right. <laughs> Hashtag him four four seven. I was like, this motherfucker. Well, Stone yeah. is a from early Twitter. He's just a ruthless Twitter user. It's like you always step like he, he was one of the, like him like both the, the captains. They Crazy would just guys. Tr- tr- like they were just throw people under the bus on Twitter or just like you know they were some yeah. of the first people that I saw really bashing companies or something really like speaking that you know, you know it's it's kind of like sometimes tongue in cheek a little bit but it's just like they're yeah, very honest like, yes very honest they'd be all over like uh, uh, the American industry. Airlines and shit all yeah, the time exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Delta, oh, it's fucking crazy. You know what they say though: the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> I've never yeah. fucking done. I've never tweeted. I've done out it before. My, my dis, uh, I don't know. My <laughs> like just being displeased with like a company and being I, like, I, I'm gonna tweet this. I know. I've done it, it before. I tweeted to Taco Bell. They fucked up my order one time and they gave me a five dollar coupon. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> my friends laugh at me. They're like, "Wow, you're trying to get a free meal." I'm like, "Well, fuck these guys." Just as honest. Did you use the five dollars? No, no. I'm just being an asshole. What a waste. Yeah. <laughs> you got yourself a, a meal. You're a DJ now. You got a budget, man. Those five, that $5 is part of the budget. <laughs> budget. Don't underestimate budgeting. What's your, uh, what's your, well, your set right now of choice? Like, what is your hardware that you like to use? Um, two uh, 1200s and a Rain 72. Prefer that over the S9, huh? It's uh, it's close. Yeah. Um, what is it about the seventy two that you prefer? I'm like, I feel like right now, like I've I I have the S nine figured out to me, uh-huh. but the, there's potential in the seventy two that I that like that I haven't totally unlocked yet. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like my it's the seventy two is a very complex mixer. Well, I first of all, are you sponsored by Rain? Yes. Okay. Well, oh, so there you go. <laughs> I used to be a Rain user myself, but. Four colors. Zach talked me into buying the S nine, but you know I also got my S nine gratis as well. Like so, like it's, you know. But but I'm rocking. He uses the S nine yeah. in the secret room yeah. with no windows. No, I got it in my studio. Yeah, I got it in my studio. Yeah, I got I got I got in my studio. I got one set up with the S nine and one set up with the seventy two. Okay. Two twelve hundreds. Four twelve hundreds. Oh, what are you saying? There's like potential that have that you have yet to figure out maybe with the 72 or just yeah exactly yeah, yeah like it's just a, like it's just a, it's a bit of a different workflow there's a couple things i don't like but um like i don't like that the loops are on a second layer mm-hmm. so what i've done is and i don't use the parameter buttons much so i have assigned the parameter buttons to be loop on loop off and key lock even though you can do key lock on the screen mm-hmm. I, the, that's what i use those parameter buttons and i i think every mixer you should tweak it a little bit to your own personal preference. I kind of wish all mixers came with like four blank dumb buttons that you could just like program to. Oh yeah, you, yeah. Do. Yeah. you can customize because everyone yeah. got something that they don't like about a mixer. Right, right, right. So that's really smart. I didn't like the curve feature on the seventy two that you have to like. It's on the TV. It's on the little screen, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's not like mm-hmm. analog. Well, the curve is there. That's the cut in. You mean? Oh yeah, the cut in. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But once you set it, you can set it and forget it. But it. The, the, speaking of curves, I feel like the learning curve on the hey. 72 is very steep. Like, mm-hmm. learning curve on the S9 is, is steep, but not as steep as the 72. So yeah, 72 looks very, like a You've got to spend a lot of time with it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm rocking with it. I, I find that, you know what? I find that echo effects on the S9 super, like, strong. Like, when oh, they come fit, in fast. You know what I'm saying? So, like, <laughs> I find the rain effects are, like, a little, like, nicer, but you also have to tweak them to yourself yeah. to fine-tune. So I'm still spending time with it. Like, it's, I feel like it's, like, 
a big book that I'm still yeah. making my way through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always wondered, like, when I see these, um, like, Instagram routines, they're mm. becoming more and more and bigger, bigger. Pause. Um, but when I see them doing tone play on with the with the pads mm-hmm. on like an S9, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, are they pre-recording a bunch of different like are they do they have one MP3 that is literally like 15 minutes of like different tones of the same song and they're queuing it all and then they got to scratch later after all those songs and then it's it's just it's like a good question. they're literally layering all of these songs and then they're doing it so that it they they can just seamlessly push the cues right. and get through everything. But they're not right? loading tracks in the middle of all no, this. No, no, no. Right? Like they're literally editing everything so right. that it's, it's just like there one in one track, track and yeah. they can just space the cues out. Mm-hmm. That's cool. my first question. And then my second question is when I see the DJs with a sped up video, when they're like DJ, Ooh, yeah. when they're doing the routines and it's sped up mm-hmm. and it kind of has that missy. Mm-hmm. I can't stand the rain, like kind of look, yeah. and they're kind of like rapping, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, a like low, it's a lower frame rate is what they do is they take out frames. Is that what it is? Yeah, because so I thought they that sometimes when there was juggling, mm-hmm. it was easier to do it when it's slower, mm-hmm. and then when it's sped up, it'll just kind of like, do you know what I mean? It'll, mm-hmm. it'll look you like they, it was you think on they real speeded time, it up, right? Mm-hmm. So that Maybe where it's like, I think it's a I think damn, it's a frame if I, rate if I did this on like real time, it, I can't do it. But if I slow it down a little bit and then I speed it back up to the regular thing, it'll look like it's yeah whatever. Yeah, I I think that there. I think it's a frame rate thing. I never like fucked with it. Like, yeah. Like and, and like I'd have to ask some of my video dudes that like that know. But I think that's like a it's like an effect that you can push or it's a certain setting. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as um, the, the editing goes, as you bring up a good point, like when, when I'm judging with freestyle, you got like how much editing is too much editing, right? Like right. there has to be like some <coughs> natural mixing thing that you're doing, but also edits are definitely a reality of DJing in 2019. We all play edits. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I, edits, would you say that edits in it, in it, I guess in a, during a time where everyone has the music, mm. edits are the things that set us apart to um, a lot of DJs. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that I think like edits do. Um, I think the edits do set set us apart. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yes and no. I don't think it's like exclusively sets us apart, but I think like. It can, you know what I mean. But I also think like 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 that you can have exclusive th- sh- things, and some people like tweak their whole set around their own edits, and some people have like minute long. Mm-hmm. You sleeping over there? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Are you looking at your phone? Yeah, man. My mom was blowing me up, so I just okay. wanted to okay. text her. I'm recording. I, I heard that. That was that nose being like, mom. <laughs> Mom text. <laughs> Darth Vader to your routine. <laughs> I kept him. I'm like, Are you I couldn't even focus on the question. I was like, shit. <laughs> and then he's like, is it me? Is <laughs> that like, breathing um, that hard? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, man. It's like I told you it was earlier, like he was behind you. Right? Yeah, I know. Damn, I didn't even realize <laughs> that. That's crazy. That's why I told you earlier. I pushed yeah. you back and I moved the Why mic. can't I hear it? 
You, could, you didn't hear that? No. Oh, my God. I feel like it was blowing out of your nose ring hole. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> it was, God. right? Yes. Yo, I swear I didn't hear anything. I think the, the air from the nose the nose ring hole was blowing <laughs> into the fucking <laughs> Yo, microphone. On everything, I didn't hear anything. That is crazy. <laughs> Wait till I rewind that. That's amazing. It was like some fucking freaky <laughs> really? perverted gerbil was behind my neck. <laughs> Like breathing and shit. Oh man! I'm just like, yo, where is this motherfucker? Like, who's snoring over here? Oh man! Yo, embarrassing. You were like, you were like one of those new mumble rappers on Lean, just like who goes on Instagram Live and just all of a sudden just starts looking down. You're like, damn, did he just fall asleep during Instagram Live? Oh man! I'm like, what's crazy? Fuck? No, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was like. But it was a. It was. <laughs> and you're just like, yo, what the fuck is that? That's crazy. Yeah. I was like, what the no fuck? Way. Yeah. I thought it was never. I was like, no, I was checking his chest. Breathe. I'm like, it's not him. And I'm like, backing it up. Oh my god. Like Damn. Fucking Bane, like, but like a mouse yeah. Bane. Yeah. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Oh man, sorry, fellas. No, it's, no, all, it's all good. good. <laughs> it's all good. But, but but let me now that I can fully concentrate. Let's get back. To <laughs> Bastard was like, you like, need a move to see that was him. Yeah, you said it, do edits define us? Well, you're, you're saying that how many edits is too much edits? But then also, I think that the train of thinking with DJs nowadays is that. You know, th- these edits are what this is what's gonna set me apart. Right, especially right. when I'm do- if I'm doing a party, if I'm doing right. a routine, mm. if I can just fucking do the tone play here and then switch to this, you know, like that'll be yeah. dope. And I'm gonna be the fucking you know shit. Right. You know, right? Yeah. I mean, this is it. Like it, we 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 go through this sometimes in three style where it's like, okay, well, how much of a skill is loading a track? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, is that a, something that we? judge on you know so like is it okay to have a couple tracks loaded on one so that you can jump around to the things to get your right, music right, idea right, out? Right. is that okay is that less impressive kind of like i have i have one routine where i do have like three songs on one and like sometimes i feel dirty about it and sometimes i feel okay about it you know what i mean cheater yeah exactly but like but sometimes at the right place it, it works and then i think to myself if i had it on a separate one and loaded it would I feel better about myself? I don't know. Like, it's a delay, man. I don't know. Like, I, I go back and forth with mm-hmm. it, but I think ultimately it's just like what comes out of the speakers right. is what matters. And I, I used to be that way about edits. Like, I'm like, you know, screw a four bar, four bar edit. Like, you know, like I, I, I come from the vinyl days where it'd be cool if you, you know, juggle the intro or maybe you start with the end or you start with the instrumental, then bring in the double, then you bring in the vocal. And like, yeah, that's I a really, lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of work, but like, I, I prided myself in like, that's how you crafted, that's how you played. Everyone had the same records. How do you play? Mm-hmm. And so now you're saying everyone's got the same music, but mm-hmm. now the edits can help you stand apart. And, right. and I think it's like we live in a crazy, and then is it, does it have to be your own edit or do you collect all the best edits, you know? And are you making your own edits? Are you making it too easy for you where it's just like everything is an acapella in, acapella out over a four bar intro? Is that, but is that okay? Does that sound good? It's like, I think that like, it just depends on your own personal style. Like mm-hmm. everyone has a different style and you are, you are defined by how you play and that is how you play. So if you choose to do those things, just remember maybe you're taken away from some other piece of magic, but maybe you got to go harder at like 
in that section to, to do something that's impressive. Right, right. To balance that out, the uh, other shortcuts you might be taking because sometimes you're just downright lazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I like I, I think it's a great time. Like I think every DJ should learn how to use an editing some form of editing software, whether it's Ableton or just like. Right, right. Like, like GarageBand. It's or, definitely vital, vital right now. It is. It is. Like, yeah. it's a part of DJing, and 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 I think I think that's that's a reflection of how good technology is because we all have it at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to a reel to reel and cut tape to make edits, but we all play stuff that was edited too. Like, like we all like. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that would be. I, I mean, I don't know. Like even sampling, for instance. Like even like the 900 number or something. It's like just like a simple loop, but we all play that and like. Or like I don't know, I'm trying to think of just like edits, like old school Latin rascals edits, or like tape edits, or something like that, or like Danny Crivet edits, or something like that. Mm-hmm, like yeah. we like that stuff, and we play those things. Yeah. So we also got to be open to just the modern version, which is making edits in Ableton and and that sort of. That's just never been at our fingertips, never been so easy. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit, I mean, I just look at those videos and I wonder, like, is there a code? Well, do you know what they, I mean? Kind of. Well, see, sometimes there's this thing. Okay, like tone play, like like. You gotta do it a certain way, but sometimes people like kind of like do tone play within the tone play. Like they take the note and pitch it down a certain amount and yeah, then yeah. play it. And it's like at that point, it's like I don't know. Like is this you're not even taking the original thing and tweaking it to a certain. You're just sort of playing the notes on pads. And then I'm just not that impressed with that. Like I don't. But that's think what I'm saying. Sometimes like uh, for example, like uh, what's something that everyone uses? Like uh, Eve, blow your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll take the beginning. Yeah. And they might just start. Like typing it in and fucking around with mm-hmm, it, and mm-hmm. then they might do like the uh, xylophone from ZZ. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But in actuality, maybe it was totally different tones, and they just totally warped every. They just right. warped everything, exactly. yeah. and then they just made that that noise in different tones so that they could just get pushed mm-hmm. the buttons pushed, mm-hmm. which I don't think is that. It's not a bad thing to me, but right. then I, I don't know what the code is with the turntable. It's like, yo, man, you can't do that, or that's well, cool. He, or. I think it's about the magic. So to me, like, if you change that pitch, you're losing some of the magic. So it, unless you start with what the original is and then flip, freak, fr- fr- uh, freak or flip the original. Yeah. If you're taking, if you're changing it already with some post processing, you're kind of taken away from it. And then I'm like, do I really want to hear someone just like play a melody, like a chopsticks melody on two fingers? Right. Like, is that something that I actually want to listen to? I don't know. If you're not doing, if you're not freaking it and flipping it and taking it from somewhere and transforming it, if you're kind of processing it so that you can play the notes separately, then it becomes a thing of like, you made that choice. It's almost like a plastic surgery, right? A little Where bit, a little really bit kind of thing. And then, and then I'm like, I don't really want to hear someone just remake the ZZ melody. I want to just listen to the ZZ song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, can you draw that connection in in another way or something like that? Like, I don't know. I think it's a slippery slope, the tone play thing. And I, I just, I ultimately, I think it should be a seasoning and not like the main. But you main see people song. like uh, riding on that boat heavy and doing the things like I just said, like, and then, you know, trying to get the. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just would watch it and I'd be like, that's cool. And I'm like, what are the codes, though? Is, it, is that breaking code? Is that aligned with the turn? Because I'm not a turntablist, you know what I mean? Like. I feel like when I see uh, guys like you, uh, or like who, who else, like a Miles Medina, a Chris Villa, Four Color Zach, Zach, you know what I mean? I, I feel like you guys are in your own realm a little bit because mm-hmm. we're kind of like the the grunts. I feel like I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we're like 
the grunts that you know what <laughs> I mean. Why the grunts? <laughs> I don't know because we're we're the working guys that hold down the fort no matter mm-hmm. what, and yeah. I don't think we have. <clears throat> no, but I you guys get busy too, though. No, we get busy in a different way, though. Mm-hmm. I think party rocking busy. Party rocking busy, and you guys then get technical uh, busy. No, but they they party rock as well. I yeah. mean, but I, I think it's a the way we approach the night is more is different. Where like we'll free ball the whole night. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. we we mm-hmm. we're, we we'll go in and we'll just like. Let's see where this takes us. What, sure. what crowd we're we gonna read? Where I feel like if I was a turntablist, I'd have to be like I have to perform right. an actual thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I, I, the way I approach like m- for me personally with routines, I yeah. treat routines like records that I'm gonna play. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so like, and I like to leave most of my stuff open ended. So and kind of open start. So like I, I can just kind of slide it into yeah, here. Or there. Yeah. So I was gonna ask you this: How do you how how do you approach like a regular club night? And I, I'm thinking like. The routines are kind of like these party breaks, except you're yeah. just they're, you're they're doing like your live. party. Yeah, yeah, you're doing your tricks. Yeah, exactly. And and not every gig calls for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Some gigs just call to to rock it and add a little bit of flavor. And sometimes someone comes and they're like, "I want you to do all your routines." And you're like, "This isn't the time or the place." It's just it's playing like back to back party breaks, and it's just yeah. kind of like you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and it can be a little bit like selfish you know you're like this is a party like it's for everybody we want to like play music and jam out it's not just like a performance showcase like but i think that that leads to another thing with dj and i think it's important to have a, a balanced diet of gigs if you right. can you know if you really want to flex like that's what i think is great about instagram and and and, and videos is that's a great place to outlet for it mm-hmm. it's not always the best thing to do in the club you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. but like you can you can also promote it there and it can help you do it in the club sometimes like if you show people that this is a cool thing and then then you do it they're like the people people come up to me and request routines all the time you know like, yeah. i want to see this that, that but to me that's amazing like you're like yo i want to see you do baby i'm a barbecue boss or something like that or i want to see you do, do you do it you make, oh, yeah well i mean if i if i think it's going to fit mm-hmm. yeah for sure i'm gonna request the star wars uh routine <laughs> now that's a funny one because like honestly the star wars routine is like you can't do it in the middle of a club setting. Yeah, right. you can. Sometimes they can. can get away with a bottle presentation. You're dropping that shit. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Sounds like a great party, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Your homie comes out of Stormtrooper. <laughs> I can only do it at Comic Con. <laughs> Wearing a costume. No, you know, and then at that point, it's like unless it's a showcase set where, like, or like I might do it at the end, but like. A time and a place for those things but yeah, I, like true. and some people like it depends on where, what what the setting is but mm-hmm. that's why i like to leave things open-ended because sometimes i can i can just to choose to take this part and do it and sometimes it's a 30 second clip sometimes yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a two minute thing <laughs> sometimes it's a five minute section you know like depending on what the party is or what the show is right so but i think that one of the things that i struggle with watching three style stuff is when the whole thing is 15 minutes of like it's like a full-on routine and i get it like you practice and you practice and practice to make it this tight dialed set Mm -hmm. and but like there has to be some room in there for looking up and seeing what's going on and reacting to the moment because that's that's what makes it special when you see someone that's like in there and when you guys say we free ball well you know what that leaves you the room to like when you see some crew going off to something, you're like, okay, yo, we're going to throw this in now, and then we're going to throw this yeah, in, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you're going to take it to this level that if you had planned it out straight, it would have never gone there. Maybe the party goes in a direction 
that you didn't think it was going to go where you're like, oh, damn, it's, oh, it's this type of party. Oh, we're going here, you know, and then boom, like, and that gives you the ability to take it higher than if you say, I'm going to play exactly this the whole time. So that's a really important skill in DJing, in my opinion. And, but how do you show that skill in a 15 minute, like three style set, you know, that the world championship that you've been rehearsing and practicing, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you come across that? It's a tough one, you know, but I feel like there are people that ha that have done and can do it. I mean, and I think like Puffy was a really good example of like a guy that can like flex a little bit and decide to stretch some some section out or go here or go there. I feel like he got busy. And um and I feel like like he's a, he's a DJ that it can it can, it can go it, it can go this this way or that. Like yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was a really strong skill of his. Is a strong skill of his. What do you feel about the like the I remember we had a remember we had a uh, an episode where we were talking about. Uh, scratches like DJs who just scratch. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it as much. I don't see it as much. I'm, but well, I think at that time we had just tons of videos of people just scratching the ah. Oh, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And it was just like, all right, we get it. Like you can scratch. <laughs> You're amazing. And it's just like nonstop, just scratch, scratch, scratch. And you know, at the time we 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 compared it to flare bartending, yeah, where it's right. kind of like like flare, yeah, that's really. <laughs> Or it's just kind of like, yo, like. Oh, oh that was know. not that was not planned. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he made his own joke. Yeah, <laughs> he said flair. But then, and, and then we also kind of like we also said well, it was just like ego stroking yourself a little bit. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Where it was, it was, it's like kind of like selfish, where you're like, you know, like look at yeah. me, look how good I am, and look, look, and then the word I use is masturbatory. Masturb, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's what I compared it to. Remember? Yeah, I'm masturbating. Like, You're like, look I was at my big like, cock. Da -da -da -da. No, it's just like watching someone put oil on their dick, and they're just like rub, putting oil on their dick, and they're they're filming it. And they're just showing. I like, can picture it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! But it's just they're just like they're just like look at my shiny dick. Look at my shiny dick. Look at the oil on my dick. <laughs> and we're just watching that, and we're just like, wow, yeah, it's shiny. Yeah, I, you know. no, but I know what you mean, and yeah. and and I'm all for like the like practicing your patterns and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think there's a place, but I feel like that's sort of like that's what you can do in in the dojo. But then when right. you take it out, like you have to apply it to something greater than just that, mm -hmm. because that is just. It's like a video game or something like that. Or it's like this. There's no application outside. Like, especially like the looper stuff where people are scratching over like, just like a... And then just like... Like, it's like, it's cool to practice it, but there's there's no real like musical application to that. Like, yeah, yeah. to me, taking back DJ Premier or something like that, oh. like that's the musical... That's He's being musical, but it's yeah. like someone might scoff at some of the patterns he's doing but like the application there's a real world application to those it scratches. sounded so good right? with the song yeah. and then with whatever yeah. he was scratching the phrase it yeah. just there has know, to be a together. way that you communicate so it like that's something you can do and, and practice and you get your patterns but where are you going to take those patterns what are you going to apply them to how can you pick a, the right beat to play at the right moment and make that a cool time because you can mm -hmm. i do sometimes get up and scratch uh, a little bit here and there on lives just to, just to flex and then like yeah. move it somewhere else yeah, yeah but like like you have to have some some higher purpose of what you're doing than just yeah. than just that it's a good practice i i awe and fresh are great tools to practice with because they uh. they 
They do, oh, they, fresh, fresh. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they mirror. They're just and they mirror your movements, you right. know. And, and then when you watch like Hubert or, or D Styles cut those things out, like you're like, Jesus, like, like it's crazy. I'm trash. Like, but like fuck. they also choose cool beats to do it over, you know. Like D, well, D is I, really I, musical. I like the awareness of like every four bars, the pattern changes. Yeah. I'm doing something different with yeah. the scratch, right? But there's just dudes that just go on and on. Like they use the whole minute of Instagram video to just be like. Yeah, and just clicks, going clicks, on and clicks, on, clicks, and I'm just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, look at my yeah. shiny. Like I'm putting oil on my dick, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, like great, great, like you know. And I'm supposed to like this shit now, like <laughs> having fun. I don't need to see this shit. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and 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 like I'm all for the like I I'm all for the advancement of like scratching. Like I like like I like I, I think it's great. Yeah, you know, my name is the Scratch Bastard. Like, right, I right. like scratching. But like I do feel that there's something lost. People don't apply it to something more than just the technique. Mm-hmm. You can practice the technique, but you've got to apply it to something. And if you you got to find your own sounds, you got to be unique. Again, yeah, this yeah. thing about standing out. Um, you don't stand out if you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're just going to be another dude on Instagram and and inside people someone might get excited that you're doing a seven click flare into a four click flare into a into like and now and yeah, some the, people and like that. it's it's inner circle yeah. but like but just understand don't get high and mighty when you can't get a gig or or don't 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 hate on other people that might not scratch as good as you because they don't mm-hmm. put the time in that because they might not see value in that you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like you gotta don't forget like 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 sometimes people look down on like club rocking DJs, but they don't know. They don't understand that that's a super skill right there. Like reading a crowd and staying up on your records and organizing your crates and mm-hmm. dude, there's so many skills involved with that. And mm-hmm. I learned that at an early age because I started as a battle DJ and I got put on that stage and I was 15 years old and like all I knew was my basement. So I, I practiced scratching and then I, I won the battle and I had only really played out like three, four minutes and I got a gig <laughs> And then I remember we get into that gig, and then I was like, "Oh damn!" Like I ran out of steam after like 15 minutes. Like, like yeah. I did all my routines, and I'm like, "What do I do now?" And then so then I started. I was like, "Okay." And then like I I was still young, and like I was cool, it's fine. I kind of got the opening set because I kind of knew I was lear- still kind of learning, and I stayed back. And then I watched the, the next DJs play, and there's some some hip hop DJs, house DJs, and jungle DJs, and I saw the way that they built their sets, and mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, this is really cool. So then I started collecting records, collecting music, and then from there I started building sets. And then I was still kind of underground at that time, and then so I played some like underground sets, and then someone from a club, like I won, I won the second battle, and I kind of started to get more of my own steeds with the music, and then someone was like, you should come play this club. And then I went to the club, and that would have been like, I guess kind of like the Jiggy Club, or it would like the, cl- the hip hop club. Yeah. And I was pretty underground at the time. But then, like, when I went there and I saw, like, what that was, I was like, oh, like, now I know why it says club version on the record because this mm-hmm. is the club. And, like, watching people dance to this and, and party, and I was like, oh, man, like, the way that the, the DJs could control the crowd and cut in little parts of the record and they'd sneak in, like, the little melody or, like, a snare and the mixing and the trick mixing. I was like, oh, this is, this is another level of skill. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I, I think that... Some people n- don't expose themselves to enough of that, understand those those levels of DJ, and, and like I've always wanted to just continue to add to my, you know, my my uh, skill set or my I I, I I I love all types of DJ, and you know, when I first started, I was a little closed minded, and 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 for those reasons, I'm also forgiving of 
people, kids, sometimes people might comment something or say, it's like, oh, this is whack, or like, can you do, you can't do this, or something like that, or like, or like. People or, leave these comments? No, they don't. They don't really, but like, sometimes. <laughs> Like sometimes, almost by omission, though, you know what I mean. Like sometimes you're like, some people are just like not around, or like like they're sort of like quiet on certain shit, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hmm, you know, and, and it's like, all right, what, you know, like, I don't know. You can kind of read it, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And but I think that like, and I, as a kid, like I like hated house music, you know, and I'm like I love house music now. But like mm-hmm. I went and then I went to rapes, and then I was like, oh damn, that's I like beautiful girls dancing to house like like moving and i'm like man this is why i didn't like house because it didn't sound the same when i was like mowing my lawn like you know (laughs) like you know right so i think that like as a dj it's always important to stay learning and stay hungry and 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 learning from and getting out there and going going to different parties and don't don't like don't just just scratch over looper and don't just do clubs you got to go to the some of the other spots or you got to step outside your comfort zone and just exactly yeah. and that's a way to stay inspired as well and like and because like it, it can be you can think this is the only way to do it mm-hmm. but that can become like a bit of a vicious cycle because then you can do only then you start only doing one thing or maybe you get bored or something like that right and so you gotta you gotta you gotta get out there and expand your horizons <laughs> Great message. Yeah. Should yeah. we end it on that? We got any Thanks more questions? Sir. I got one more question. What well, used to pop off at Eagle Rock? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I'm not aware of the, the human serviette. Okay, he said. What used to pop off at Eagle Rock? What used to pop off at Eagle Rock, man? I mean, we used to party at Eagle Rock for sure. <laughs> so Eagle Rock was like, <laughs> damn, son. <laughs> So, <laughs> Eagle, wait, wait, you, how'd, you, how'd, you, how'd you know about this Eagle Rock shit? So, I used to live in a neighborhood called Eaglewood, always up to no good. It was like super nice houses in there or something. Yeah. We, my dad was a real estate, is a real estate agent, and we like moved in. He was like, I know this this neighborhood going to blow up. So, like, he's like, we like got like this little bungalow in the nicest neighborhood. And this place called Eagle Rock was in there. Beautiful park, like, 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 but it was also like, just this weird like backwoods like it was it was crazy but that's where we used to go drink and everything like yeah. that and so we would all go to Eagle Rock and the, the stupid kids we would walk in there at like 6 p.m. with a 2-4 beer or something like that and then we would go party at Eagle Rock and then it would get dark and then we had to try to like basically <laughs> walk out of the woods like 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 basically rocks and sticks and like Every, like the next day, people would come to school and like just bloody, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stupid kids drinking in the woods. But that was Eagle Eagle Rock was our. I don't know how the hell you know about Eagle Rock, man. It's but it does have the most beautiful view of of Halifax, the the Bedford Basin. Who's that guy that interviews people and he just scares them because he? he I just said it. Narwar, Narwar, Narwar yeah, the yeah. human serviette. Yeah, that's your that it's, was your moment. Right? That was, was his Narwar moment. Yeah, you wasted it on Eagle Rock though. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few other words, but. That that was like the best what one. else come on man hippie uh the chicken club the chicken no, the, the chicken burger the chicken burger sorry yeah <laughs> the chicken burger man that is bedford nova scotia <laughs> that's been there since like i don't know the date like 52 that's like that's like the it's like dicks in seattle okay you know what i mean it's the burger joint that 
been there forever and yeah it's like the people pull up their old school cars and stuff like that on they do the car shows and shit like that yeah that's it that's okay well and then on that note okay you just googled bedford and that's what you got no no okay you did a little homework okay cool but yo um yeah well i just want to say thank you guys for having me on the road thank you for super dope we're gonna look forward to uh i guess if we could like circle back, maybe just uh, I want to get some feedback after the three style, the three style, the type page. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me know. Yeah, and let me know: is the new techniques going to be available for that three style? No, uh, okay. New techniques available in June. Ooh, spicy! Oh, Do you yeah. know the price? Do you know the price? Nine ninety nine. Oh, a pair one. Yeah, per. Man. Okay, real quick, baby, real quick before we leave, that's a little steep. Two Gs. Two Gs. It's two G's. Uh, well, what would you, if you had like the chance to get a set of either two 1200 MK7s mm-hmm. or two 12 reigns, what are you going with? Two 1200s. Two 1200 Because I collect records. I I think, I still think the rain 12s are, are a great tool. I think they're best app applied as a backline item at like big booming festivals or, mm-hmm. or like club. Yeah. Like I know... Active uses them with Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. JC uses it with Goody Mob and whoever he's touring with. Whatever. Yeah. I think they're great for like touring acts right. and playing shows. But for at home, I had when I had them set up, it's like they're, they they take up the space. I, I am a record like I collect, collect records all the time mm-hmm. and I play records all the time. So I like the ability to like if if that thing is taking up that much space and I can't play records on yeah. it, it's kind of at my home studio. It's not a good thing. And what I found with Rain like. It was a little hard to get the twelves because they're 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 just they're just fresh out at the thing. So we did we used them for the barbecue last year and it was great because on the bus and outdoors like right. they're amazing for outdoors because mm-hmm. no wind. Yeah, I understand like it is kind of crazy that we use needles like it's like this little tiny it is, yeah. thing that's like there's so many things that can go wrong. Factors, yeah. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, there was a post with Miles Medina who recently said, I, "This is my first time experience yeah. the subs being so strong that it actually." Uh, like bounce the needles off the vinyl and uh, I remember he was like how do you guys uh, you know make sure that that doesn't happen turn down the bass or like you know what okay uh, we used uh, to put napkins underneath and then some some would put uh, what the tennis balls yeah tennis balls I never knew about the tennis balls they cut the tennis balls in half and then they put it in the and stuff yeah like we that, use yeah. like these practice hockey pucks they're like orange they're that's oh, really? super canadian turntable shit that is super all canadian. because that's all you guys have <laughs> well they actually fit perfect oh, okay amazing. um Pause. kid yeah. kid koala used to uh get kid rolls koala, wow. rolls another fucking paper. name oh, probably still you? does big dj yeah, yeah man yeah. i mean dude like it's funny we say that but like a guy like kid koala is like a super inspiration to me yeah like he has crafted a career I, like you think I got little things side projects like the things that that guy does like puppet shows and like group turntable things where he's giving you records and you can all learn to play along like his concepts are crazy mm-hmm. and he's made a, a a great career out of being a DJ mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. a very unique path like I'm super inspired by people like that right mm-hmm. you know um uh, but but yeah so he used to get a roll of toilet paper and on like some drum risers there'd be like a drum riser and then in between the two drum risers put a whole roll like a two like a 12 pack of toilet paper in there and that would absorb everything mm-hmm. and toilet paper when you squish it is like super like so many layers of, they're super right absorbing yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and they even say it on the package um <laughs> but it, it, like that was a trick and it fucking it works yeah. it's crazy and like mm-hmm. and i think 
you know what? I think that that stuff is that there's some magic in that. Like everyone has their own techniques of, of figuring figuring it out. And I think that like as we go more and more towards like controllers or digital and people can like to complain about stuff. Look, DJing started as like figuring like applying using things that do it the wrong for not their original purpose you know mm-hmm. so like don't be afraid to like just be a weirdo and figure out how to make it work for you you know what i mean like <laughs> sometimes people are like it can only be done this way you're like no fuck that like let's yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah like mm-hmm. don't, don't be afraid to think outside the box i'm waiting yeah. to see someone really utilize the uh, reverse feature on the, the new 1200 oh, i can't wait to see that <laughs> and then i'm also like, waiting like, to Kuk see Kuk how did it at the a little the bit show. but i'm i'm one of, i mean that was like you know playing a beat backwards and yeah, scratching yeah. Right, but right. I, i'm really waiting to see someone do some crazy shit yeah like switching back and forth i can't wait for the next, next and then i'm also I, I realize it's probably going to get oversaturated where yeah. everyone's going to start doing it but yeah. like, i'm over tone play and the reverse play <laughs> <laughs> listen listen exactly well to i think to to round up one thought that we were talking about earlier about the 1200s and like what they mean it i think it is a backline thing like you can't get 1200s on backline yeah. now because people think when they own it that's the thing but understand from an event an event production standpoint those things go way quicker and they need new products. They need mm-hmm. new fresh things. Like even 900s, they like they go through them. Like, you know what I mean? Like that when you rent something out, it gets used and that's what's used commercially in clubs and, and, and events and everything like that. Yeah. And, and, and so when some people are like, oh, you didn't change much. Well, it's like, yeah, it, it was a great thing to begin with and we just need new ones. As much as yours might not be dying at home, you can't get 1200s at a lot of rental places right now right yeah. you know because they don't exist so mm-hmm. so like and i don't think i th- i do think for sure that the 1200s is superior turntable to the plx plx just doesn't do it for me i've got I have bad what's feedback the plx issues. is that the pioneer one yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't yeah. like those at I tried all that. the pitch, have you, the, the have pitch you is noticed, weird have you noticed that when you um you know when you kind of slow the record down when you're blending it with another mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. it speeds up yeah did you notice that? Yeah, it yeah. fights against it. Yeah, it, it, like it's it's like it's like, like the torque adjusts. Like, the torque can sense when you're slowing it down, so it and, it's, and it's just like, oh no 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 no, and then it starts speeding the the BPM up. Oh, and shit. The, the weird things go on the pitch, and also it's slow to react to your mm-hmm. thing. I had this little like trick mix where um, I take drop drop in science by Craig G, which is like the um like yeah yeah the the biggie the same the yeah, one more chance yeah. you know? mm-hmm. and I, I and I and I do like a and I do like the hot sex on the platter. Yeah. So I like drop it like a semitone basically, like almost like minus four to plus four, like and it's like quick, I move the fader quick. And I tried doing it on the, on the PLX and, and it's like, it's like, like it's like slow to respond to my movements. It doesn't work. And I did that live, like I just assumed that it did it fine. And it was at a, a showcase that I was doing and I was like, "Damn! Like this, these are this is a new thing that I didn't know was yeah. whack about these things." Mm-hmm. And the crowd was like, "We're not going to buy his hot sauce." The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> Available at scratchbastard.com. <laughs> Yo, scratch bastard. Oh shit, Mr. Bastard. Yeah, man. Uh, thank Smurf. you for coming to Smurf. Smurf. Stimulus. 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 <laughs> He's like when J. Cole was calling himself the therapist. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> That was his first name. The yeah, therapist? the therapist. Yeah. I actually know a DJ Stimulus. Uh, he used to, used to uh, do the uh, good spot with MoMA. Oh so yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that sign of familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yo, thank you for coming through. Word. Thank you, man. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Pleasure, bro. Thank, thank you for having me. Las Vegas. DJ Bastard.
Scratch bastard. Big up, big up. With the K. Yes, and an ID. And an ID. <laughs> <laughs>